Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dan Rather. I'm joined by the Duchess of Duluth. Hi. Hi. You're decked out in Daniel. D and D. <laughs> decked out in Daniel. Oh, by the way, that makes me remember something. What? I was watching a football game recently. Okay. In the future. This one was real time. Okay. Present. Yeah, the thing's over. Oh, that's sad. I'm sorry. Also, someone gave an explanation to that. Oh, no. In a what? comment. They what said was... the NFL Network re-aired their previous game that had just happened at the time you're talking about. The Christmas game. Yeah. The records were the same. The oh. outcome up to the halftime was the same. So, so it's, it's just an older game. It was like Weird. a month old, not even like a two-week-old game they happened to show the same day. Weird. Same teams, same record. Yes. I'm glad we figured that out. That I am getting, and I'm not. Yeah, sure. I did like the idea that we caught a glitch. Sure, I know. And it was a glitchy weekend, if you recall. It was. You were having your own glitches. Harissa. God, Harissa. <laughs> Today we have Pamela Anderson on. I don't think I need to explain to anyone on planet Earth who Pamela Anderson no. is. She is an actor, a model, and an activist. Became enormously popular on Baywatch, Home Improvement. She has an incredible documentary that's out that I really, really, really loved. It's called Pamela, A Love Story. And it's kind of beautiful because her boys are a part of it. I think they instigated it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's really sweet to see her and her boys. And she also has a memoir that is coming out tomorrow, similarly named, called Love Pamela. So memoir out tomorrow, Love Pamela, and a Netflix documentary, Pamela, A Love Story, that is out tomorrow as well. This episode, I was four minutes late. Uh-huh. And by the time I sat down, I was like, oh, my God, did it start? An hour before. Yeah, I thought, like, oh, no, I messed up the time because it was so deep in yeah it got i really heavy ad- fast i adored her the other funny thing was for my mom there was a big pop out oh. so my mom was staying here oh we take pictures when the sun's wrong we take it against the house as opposed to against the garage yes and so we were against the house and she heard what she thought was knocking at the door oh, of her bedroom sure she peeked her head out and she was her hair was all fucked up and she was still sleepy oh no and she like peeked out the door to see who it was and she goes, Dax, Pamela Anderson was standing there. <laughs> it was a huge pop-up for her. She couldn't compute it for a minute. That's she confusing. Had, took her like a minute to remember that we have a show where people come to the house and the whole nine yards. She got a real bang out of that. Oh, knock, knock, funny. knock, knock. Hello. Oh, hi, Pam Anderson. <laughs> kind of like the time Dr. Phil got the house wrong. Yeah. He came to the show. Yes. He knocked on a neighbor's home and an old woman answered. He's just like, hi, I'm Dr. Phil. And she was just delighted. That's, he I came mean, out of her TV up to her porch. It's a moment <laughs> you'll never forget. Yeah. That's like when Sean Penn was standing outside my apartment. Yes. And I couldn't believe it. To retrieve his daughter. That's right. Call on his daughter. Yeah. All right. Well, please enjoy Pamela Anderson. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is Mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. 
We are supported by Sleep Number. Oh, mattresses can be a pretty big purchase. It's kind of like a home. You and your partner have to shop around for one that you'll both love, that's comfortable and suited to your preferences. Well, I'm about to make your lives a whole lot easier. Instead of hopping around from store to store, just check out Sleep Number Smart Beds. They're designed for you and your partner's ever-evolving sleep needs. When you see it, you'll know it's the one. I mean, this just changed the lives of my bride and I. The fact that we didn't have to compromise on the firmness of the mattress and the fact that it can evolve as we evolve is incredible. Sleep Number is great because it's all about what you need. You can adjust the firmness to your ideal settings on each side, perfect for couples. The smart beds respond and adjust to your movements throughout the night to help you sleep better. My Sleep Number is an 85. Whether you need something with more support or something to help quiet the snores, Sleep Number has you covered. So sleep better together with a Sleep Number smart bed. It's the only bed that lets you make each side firmer or softer whenever you like your Sleep Number setting. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. He's an How long have you been doing this? Uh, February, five years. Five years? Five years? Yeah. I didn't even know what podcasts were until like last week. First of all, that word podcast? Yeah. How would anyone want to do it? It's like blog. Uh huh. Like yeah, it's just, not I don't sexy do blog. I don't do podcasts. Uh huh. I do like journaling and radio. But you know who has done our podcast? Who? Obama, Hillary Clinton. Oh wow! Bill Gates. Fantastic. So. Oh god! Now I'm nervous. Now everyone does podcasts. Now you gotta do podcasts. No matter what anyone tells me, I say no. I'm a rebel. I'm everything I say is just like no. Yeah. Then I do it. and I go. Oh, that was really great. I'm like yeah. I'm just such an asshole. <laughs> I have a very similar disposition. I haven't even heard the thing. As soon as I hear they want to know, I'm like, no, no, I, but I don't want to. If they want me to do it, I must not want to do it. So this will be an interesting interview. <laughs> yes. No. Just a battle of the wills. <laughs> Are your kids that way? One is. Youngest is Zen, yeah, yeah, musical, yeah. kind of like everyone just chill, man. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. And then Brandon's like fierce. He's making the deals. Thank God for him. I didn't realize I had children to have them grow up, you know, and, and be smarter you. than you and kind of take care of you or worry about you. And you never want to be a burden to your kids, but I'm just a project. Yeah. But if you think about <laughs> how it's always been throughout human history, people have kids specifically for that reason so that they can be cared for. There's no social security. There's no hospitals. There's no nothing. You know, I moved my parents onto my property because I always thought you care for your parents. I've always looked after my parents. They've never had the ability really, but it's hard to live with your parents. Yeah. You know, and especially when you write a book. My mother's inside right now. Well, write a book about your childhood and then face her every day. That's a little hard, but I thought it would be healing. Not so much. It's been very interesting. Because she feels guilty? Well, I think it's hard to kind of relive some of it. And, you know, I wanted to get through my whole life in this book. So I had to talk about my childhood. I mean, I was a child. I was born into this kind of wild, young couple. And I think that kind of... They were so young, right? Like 17 and 19. 19. So they were just trying to get through the day and what that entailed and how I learned to kind of escape into my imagination and how I looked after my brother a lot. Believe me, writing the book, I was like, oh, I get it. So it was therapeutic for me. Yeah. And they kind of wanted to move past some of those things. But the book is so little really about them, but they're only fixated on that. And, you know, it's just been difficult on top of 
exposing your whole life and it's not going to make everybody happy. I mean, I, I feel bad because I didn't want to hurt anyone. Yeah. And that's like, the truth is the truth. And it's just my perspective. Yeah. You know, my mom was nice enough to say to me, I was on a talk show and I s told a story and it involved her. And initially she called me and she's like, eh, I didn't love hearing that basically. And then I felt bad. But then, cause she is a gangster. She called me a couple weeks later and she goes, you know, I had no right to call you and say that. That's your story. You own your story. Always tell your story. Don't yeah. think of me. I thought that was enormously generous of her. Very kind. And big of her. <laughs> Can also, your mom call my mom? <laughs> yes, but doesn't this play into so much stuff? Because my mom went and built a few things that I think buoyed her self-esteem. Also pregnant at 17 in high school. Had my brother. Had me. They got divorced when I was three. Lots of husbands. But she built... A lot of stuff. So she had her own identity and things to lean on that helped a lot, I think. That's important. And because I think that generation too, they compartmentalize and, and when it's over, it's you shut that door. But then there's this angry, I don't want to be an angry old lady. I want to face it all. My son made this film, Brandon, and I said, my only request is that you... Don't tell me what you're looking at or what you're doing. I don't even want to know about it. Just do it. I opened the door, said, you have all access to all the archives, all my diaries from when I was a kid, yes. everything. And I said, just do it. I mean, I'm a person. I'm a human being. I'm imperfect. Yeah, I think that part of the documentary is kind of mind-blowing. And also, I think I would feel the same way. So I'm a big journaler, too. I have a journal over the last 20 years. Never miss a page. I'm assuming my kids will one day, if they're ever interested, will go through all that. And I'm totally at peace with it. But like you... I don't really want to observe you go through it, and I don't necessarily need to go through it for myself. Well, I haven't seen the documentary. I don't plan on it. I'm kind of interested what my kids have to say about me, but maybe I can just get those clips. They adore you, which yeah. is obvious. They think you're a bad motherfucker. That's really obvious. <laughs> I think you would like all the ways that they talked about you. I really wanted to raise my kids. I wanted to be present for them. I wanted to be imperfect, let them meet all this wild, you know, bohemian kind of lifestyle that we had and love them the best we could. I don't think I ever felt that from my parents, you know, that kind of camaraderie. I just always felt in the way. They were madly in love. And I always felt that Jerry and I just, it's not a good time right now. <laughs> like we have to go somewhere else. Like there's either fighting or making out or whatever it was. So I was really cautious of that. Even though, you know, Tommy and I were wild again, madly in love. Their kids were everything. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. different. Do you have lots of moments when you're raising them when it makes you reevaluate your own childhood? Talking to my daughter, she has a nightmare that mom and dad have gotten a divorce. I'm trying to tell her that's not happening, A. B, if it happened, you would also be fine because you're going to be a winner. Like, that's how that's going to be. Nothing's going to break you. But as I'm talking to her, I'm realizing, oh, I was on dad number three at her age. Oh, I was already molested at her age. Oh my God, she's so fucking young. Yeah, I know. Isn't like, that did crazy? you have those moments when they were little when you'd go back in time and go, oh, I was way too little for that? Yeah. I look at my nieces and nephews. My niece is five, and I look at her and I think, oh God, that's what's happening to me at that time. And how did I survive? And the cruelty of knowing, right? You're looking at them, they're so trusting. I was so trusting. You were so trusting. It's heartbreaking. And I had this really kind of weird realization the other day, and it's kind of morbid and people will probably not like it. But I was like, why have kids? I'm glad I had kids, but I knew I had kids. I was going to be financially able to look after them with or without Tommy. That was important to me that I was independent, yeah. that no matter what happened, I could look after my kids. But I wonder, what is the driving force behind having kids if you can't protect them? 
if you can't look yeah, after them yeah, very yeah. well. I mean, believe me, I'm not trying to say that I wasn't protected because they did the best they could. And I don't want to think that it's a dangerous world. I always say it's a safe world with moments of danger. It's not a dangerous world with moments of safety because, you know, we're just getting inundated with all of well, this stress. And right now I'm promoting my book and my doc. So I'm all reflective and emotional and vulnerable right now. Well, yeah, so it's one thing to sit in a room and write and be open and be vulnerable. It's another thing to sit with your kids and do a documentary. Having to promote stuff that's intimate and vulnerable is a whole other animal. It just seems very kind of self-serving to go promote my book and my documentary about me and then me, I'm going to go talk about me. It seems so silly, but that's the way the world is right now. You gotta be knocked over the head before you hear something because you're inundated with so much information. So of course I want my book to be successful. I hope it's inspiring. The doc, I had very little to do with it except for just open the floodgates just so there's a record of truth. Yeah, yeah. You're right. It's much easier to write about something than talk about something. And I always have felt that. Yeah, because again, there's like the intimacy of you in the journal. There's the intimacy of you and your family, all these things. And then there's, oh gosh, uh, now I got to discuss the things that are in the book. I was happy saying them in that venue, but I don't necessarily want to be on the Today Show saying this. I don't want to be in this silly attic with presents all over. Saying that. <laughs> right. Well, and I just did my audiobook. What's that experience like? Obviously, you're reading and you're writing, you're reading your book, and I've read it through a ton of times, but reading it out loud all in one go to a stranger with headphones on, like mm -hmm. going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the things I talk about in the book are pretty explicit when it comes to some of the abuse, and I just did it. It felt good. It felt like another layer. It's kind of a little bit torturous, this whole experience, but I'm hoping that maybe this is what I needed to do so I can maybe make some better choices in my future because I just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. So a couple different guests have been reading their audiobook out loud, and it's in that moment they actually really comprehend their story for the first time. And several people have said they've just been bawling kind of uncontrollably in the booth when they're supposed to be recording. Yeah. I tried to just tell the story because I would be crying all the time and just feel like when you say it out loud, words are like spells. It just becomes more real when you say it out loud. By the way, this is Monica. Hi, Monica. Hi. Sorry, gonna... did you guys start early? No. Wow. We haven't even you started jumped yet. in so fast. <laughs> Naturally. I love it. I love that. <laughs> what are we doing right now? Who came up with the yeah. word pod? She right? doesn't love the term. It sounds like oh. blog. It sounds really like, shitty. No, and blog. I agree. Like, what about journaling, agree. radio? Isn't there a sexier word? What is a pod? I don't know. You've been doing this for a long time. You don't even know what it is. <laughs> I mean, what's it in French? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Okay. Yeah, I ain't trying to deconstruct it and figure out I shouldn't be doing it. I'm just like accepting <laughs> all of it. Well, what's podcast in French? Is it, that always sounds better. Ooh, Ooh that's yeah. great. I'll try it though. Podcast day. Podcast. Podcast. It always sounds podcast better. Podcast He is a podcast from United States. That, was, yeah. that sounds sexy. I don't know about that accent. <laughs> yeah, it's not very good. That was anyway. my first attempt at French. But um, <laughs> I would imagine with reading the book, you have a gear that you can click into. I think it's definitely born in the abusive childhood and learning to disassociate. I guess I was relieved to hear this. I'm gonna jump to it and we'll go backwards okay. in time, but you first go to LA, craziest story. She's at a football game. She's wearing a Labatt <laughs> shirt. They put her on the Jumbotron. Now they can't stop putting her on the Jumbotron. They invite her down to the 50 yard line and then Labatt sees that. They wanna put her in a commercial. This is all oh, up in Canada. Wow. And then you're in a commercial and then Playboy calls. And she is from a podunk fucking town, no disrespect to Ladysmith, but a tiny little town yeah. in Canada, in Vancouver. By Vancouver, Vancouver. on Vancouver I, Island. On Vancouver Island, Ooh. there we go. 
So then she lands at the airport at LAX and there's a fucking limousine with the Playboy (laughs) bunny ears and she goes to the mansion immediately and you're greeted by the editor and she's nice and you're seeing famous people. It was Gay Pride Day. It was like a parade. I was like, mom, there's a parade here every day. She's like, oh, that sounds fantastic. (laughs) You're going to love it. (laughs) You're home. (laughs) You've arrived Uh, for sure. Ooh, what a stark contrast. It just got crazier from there. That was just the beginning. Yeah. And, and I just want to get to the switch that you can flick. I was happy to see it, which is, it's like, it's all overwhelming. Now we're doing your hair. And now you're in a photo shoot naked. And prior to that, you were extremely shy because of lots of past abuse. Yeah. And I hated being shy. It was paralyzing. It was the worst feeling in the world. I wanted to overcome it. And I guess I did with a vengeance. But you said, like, soon as the photo shoot started... Something just kind of happened where you're like, okay, oh, I understand this. I like this. And now you're walking around naked on the set and you've lost that, (laughs) right? That insecurity and that shyness. It took a while. I was actually physically sick the first day that I shot because I was still trying to get over that shyness. And I just realized that we're our own worst critic. Nobody else cares. I felt like if I walked naked down the street, people wouldn't even notice. They're busy with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But you found out you're a performer, I guess is what I'm saying. People yeah. either have mm-hmm. that kind of gear or they don't. So in the face of absolute terror and shyness and insecurity, you found a persona which was confident. The performer. I right. bring all that out to say, I'm sure during the book reading, when it got dicey and emotional, mm-hmm. you're like, nope, I'm putting on my performer hat. And it's yeah, going to save of. me and safeguard me and walk me through this as it has so many times. Yeah, that's I mean, the thing that I have <laughs> that yeah. a lot of people have. That's why I hope it's inspiring because I know there's a lot of people that have gone through things. And I mean, I went to the extreme of trying to get through my shyness and overcome things, but it was stuff that was coming at me. I never pursued to be an actor. I never thought yeah. I would ever be on a plane. I never thought I'd leave my little town. Yeah. So it wasn't that it was something I was searching for. It just it was happening and happening. And I was just like, okay, yeah, okay. Wow. I have a global question. Question for you. So I'm from right where Detroit turns into farmland. Ortonville. So <laughs> down, down the street. Yes, from where you once lived. I apologize. It's okay. To the east was Detroit. To the west was fucking hillbilly terror. <laughs> well. Too much privacy. Too many places to take kids. Too much weirdness. Too much alcoholism. Too much violence. It was fucking gross and gnarly. And when I'm listening to all the things that happened to you in such a short time, by the time you're 12, I'm thinking of all the things that happened to me. I'm like, there's too much privacy. Yeah, the woods. The woods. (laughs) They're fucking kind of terrifying, right? Yeah. Well, predators find their way. Yeah, but I also think people are bored. They're drunk. You're seeing 25-year-olds hang out with 12-year-olds. Like, what the fuck? Like, you and I are in Beverly Hills, and we see a 25-year-old man go and approach a 12-year-old and her to go for a walk. You would call the police or you'd intervene. Right. But so much shit is just weird shit's happening out in all that rural privacy. Yeah. And I looked really young, too. I mean, when I was 12, I looked like I was five. I was a late bloomer. I think that was on purpose. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. (laughs) Well, going back to what you were just saying, I think if you've had abuse, you're probably exceptional at compartmentalizing. I think that's inherent in kids who are abused or younger people who are abused. So, yeah, of course, you could click into performer and click out. You're built for that. Now, this is the time where I'm trying to feel your feelings, all this, you know, I'm not in therapy, which I should be. Mm-hmm. I have had a have therapist before been? and he retired after me. He was like, that's enough. <laughs> he never worked again. But, <laughs> <laughs> 
But, you know, I love talking to him about Jungian philosophy and dreams and dream interpretation. I've always been into mythology and fairy tales, and that's kind of been my thing. But I, I really feel the same way right now. For some reason, I feel sick to my stomach. I'm worried about the book coming out. I'm worried about hurting other people. Because as also a kid who's been abused, you're always wanting the attention from your parents. You want the admiration. You want someone to say it's okay. And it's another vulnerable space to be in because you're putting it all out there and you're not getting the support. You're actually getting blamed. Mm -hmm. Like, don't do this to our family. Don't do this to me. And if I knew that was happening, I would have called the police, making up some crazy stuff they knew all about. They knew all about yeah. everything. But this is a whole other level. Well, first of all, was your mom's name Carol? Yeah. First of all, you guys have the cutest relationship, at least in the documentary. <laughs> she likes you. She is proud of you. She thinks you're spunky. You clearly had a life that she would have died to have and is blown away that this little girl of hers became you. That's very clear. Right. At least, <laughs> at least in the documentary, it seems very clear. I'm glad. You know, the thing that I could relate to is when you have this pretty life-altering event at 12 with a 25-year-old guy, your first thought was, well, I can't tell my mom because I can't burden her with this. She's already so burdened yeah. with mm -hmm. this insane relationship she has with my father that I can't add to that. I didn't want to get anyone in trouble. Yeah, those feelings. Yeah. That's such a role reversal that the kids have to worry about the adult's emotional state. You know, adults should be helping kids regulate their emotional state. Right. And I hope my kids always feel they can come to me with anything. Yeah. That would be a terrible burden on them. Yeah. yeah. But after that event, no one knows. You're not going to tell a soul. You don't tell your brother. You don't tell anybody. And yet this pervasive feeling, yet everyone knows. that You're walking around and there's a sign on your head that yeah, basically says... I've done this. I've had sex. Yeah. The worst thing in the world, you know, for, yes. to me at that time, I thought everybody knew. So in that way, your own sexuality was arrested. It was kind of taken from you. It was weaponized. You were terrified people knew that and thought that about you. And it kind of just went in a vault. And then through doing Playboy, you kind of reclaim that for yourself. I think that's how I did it. Yeah. There's kind of a well-known obesity study in San Diego. And in the obesity study, they found out that this really high percentage of them had been sexually assaulted. Yes. And then Suit the conclusion armor. was they want to make themselves invisible to men. So one of the ways they would do that is to gain a lot of weight and try to just be off of men's radar, right? Okay, like that's so the I went the opposite route. Yeah, <laughs> right. you were right. taking charge. I was like, with a vengeance, yeah, I took yeah. charge of my own sexuality, my own sexual image, and it gave me a power that I hadn't had before. Did it feel healing at the time? Well, at the time, I felt more confident about myself. Yeah. I always had these insecurities. You know, I never liked pictures of myself, nothing like that. I was always a critic. It was my way of, like I say, I was just felt like I closed my eyes and I just fell off this bridge into the abyss and I just felt like, okay, here we go. You open up your eyes and you're taking pictures. And it just felt like a gateway for me. You know, it felt like a portal. Just the way that I connected to the camera was like a, another fantasy. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was a way yeah. for me to disconnect from all of it. And so, you know, then you dip in and out of reality and fantasy. And that's kind of been my life as a roller coaster of fantasy and reality. If it's not this fairy tale, then I run away. And it's just been this kind of childish immaturity. And, you know, I wish I made some better choices, but I can see looking back why I did. And plus, I used to think that I just drove people nuts. 
And that's why they got crazy with me. And then I would just disappear. But I think it's relevant to explain the whole ride. Your dad's a very specific character. Your dad, as you described him, was a card player, a con man, and a chimney sweep. He drove recklessly. He was a fucking wild man. He was the bad boy of Ladysmith. Handsome, oceany green eyes. You know, my mom, the bouncy blonde, waving her scarf to the camera, playing, you know, like funny calisthenics in the garden. <laughs> and he was dangerous. Yeah. Your mother went through the windshield of a car that he was driving when she was pregnant with you. Glad they don't know anything about podcasts. But <laughs> I know that's the thing. Do they know anything about movies? I mean, they know Netflix because it's in the Jesus. documentary. No, I know. She's read the book. That's the hard thing. I'm a writer. And when you write, you know, you have to write the truth. I didn't want to just gloss over certain things. I wanted to really paint the picture of the reality and create the characters that were honest. And no one's even interesting if they're not flawed. No, there's no third dimension to them. It's just not even worth looking at. But But yeah, he was, you know, the guns on the wall, you know, things like that. Intermittently violent. Mm-hmm. With mom, and then mom would leave. You guys would leave. You'd go get on welfare. You'd move to another town. Then they'd rekindle. I say all that just to say, duh, fucking foo that you were attracted <laughs> to bad boys. You're all like, like this is what we do. Yeah, I'm married to my mother. I like, if you, I took you inside right now and introduced my mom to you, and then Kristen, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he got okay. he got the show business version <laughs> oh, of her. Yeah, that's what we do. It is what we do because we're still trying to work out our stuff, I guess, maybe. But, you know, my dad wrote letters to my mother all the time and poetry and everything. Very romantic, super heightened romance. And still to this day, they're romantic. They left when they were younger, but no, they're together and they're madly in love and they're just really close. I don't know what they would do without each other. They've been together their entire lives, you know, and nobody else. Yeah, at this point, they're 50 some years they've been together, obviously, right? 55 years, yeah. Well, there was so much danger and instability then course you lived in fantasy land that's the only place you could go that's the only place that's secure yeah and then i loved my relationship with tommy we were madly in love and i experienced that and then no one had any shot after that because i was like wait a second you're not riding on a horse to see me today like you don't love me so it's just been continuous silliness and now has spent the last year alone actually in writing this book and you have to be alone before you can love anybody else. I mean, really, it's I know, the cliche. It's, it's torturous because, okay, I'm a recovering addict. I also certainly for some period probably would register as a sex addict. Do you not feel dead in the absence of the heightened everything? Like, is it hard to not just feel like, well, then what's the fucking point? I know the thing's damaging, but who gives a shit? I'm bored out of my mind. I've and done I'm that dead. over and over again. This is therapy for me to be at home. Then I went back to the ranch where it all happened, the scene of the crime. I went right back home. I live in my place my grandmother had where all these things happened. I'm right there in the middle of this little wooded area and my little ranch, my farm and my five dogs. The trees have known me since birth. So I'm walking the same beach. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, yeah. But this is the healing part of it all. And it's really hard. And I want to do it alone. You know, I kind of met somebody else when I was at home too. And it just, it, we had nothing in common. And even though if I wanted this to be the with a normal guy. He was the least normal of all of them. Like I just said, just everyone just, this is, this is the common denominator is me. I'm crazy. This is my fault. I said, I just need to spend some time alone because there's that great quote, the capacity to be alone is the capacity to love. Osho quote it goes on and on. And it's true not to make someone else responsible for your happiness. No, I have to be on my own. I'm with my dogs. I get restless sometimes. I call my kids. And I go, I need to go to Paris. I need to go. And they're like, just, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I love road trips. I took my golden retriever and we just took off down the coast. It was so fantastic. And I just listened to audiobooks. 
I mean, I've read all these books, but then I listened to them again, like women who love too much, like codependency no more, all these things I just was feeding myself. And then talking to my poor assistant who was driving, like he was in therapy too. Like he's, I think he's more messed up now. I want to read that dude's book. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, poor guy. Okay, so let's go through the timeline a little bit. Well, first of all, you need to discover podcasts because if you're in the car all the time listening, that's what podcasts are for is road trips, is in the car, is exercising, you know, and they're endless and they just keep coming. I just thought they were like to do with aliens and stuff, like alien podcasts. That's fair. I think there's some fringe shit. Yeah, there's three million (laughs) podcasts. So so you better believe any topic you can think of. I don't want my own podcast because it happens a lot. People do a book and a documentary and then they get a podcast. I don't want the podcast. Yeah. I think you got <laughs> to really want to do a podcast yeah. to do it. But you're right. Representatives pitch it to clients now. I can't tell you how many friends of mine call me. And they're like, my agents are saying I need a podcast. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know. You're like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great thing, though. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah you never you, age on radio. Exactly. No, exactly. Podcast, right? Can I tell you my favorite thing? Yeah, I've quit acting because of this. I don't have to get makeup on anymore. I don't do any. I'm you not have even, makeup on even, right now? I, I see a little it. eyeliner. No. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if there were a guest, I would have wore eyeliner for her to bend you. It did cross my mind to wear a wife beater for this interview. I thought that would be kind of oh, funny. Wow, yeah, yeah, to see if I could like be as appealing to you as possible. So I'm going to get myself <laughs> in a wife beater. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who I'd be with. I mean, I couldn't even dream up. I have no idea. Somebody older, you know, which really cuts it down now. so the documentary is great it goes through your childhood it goes to you moving to la to being in playboy pamela has been on the cover of playboy more than any human in history (laughs) that's a good one i need to paint a picture for people because many of our (laughs) listeners are younger they grew up in the post playboy era playboy was esquire gq and vanity fair the best authors wrote pieces in playboy it was a very Classy magazine. It's hard for people, I think, now who've not grown up with it to actually imagine what it was. And Hefner, you know, he was really a great activist. Yeah, he's like a rat pack figure. Like, you'd have to be alive to understand the cachet he had as a human, as a a media mogul. Some of the best nonfiction and fiction that's ever been written is in Playboy. So it's a very, very esteemed magazine. Great writers, Hunter Thompson. I mean, think about all the writers. Norman Mailer was always writing. All these great, great authors that were in there. So out of that comes Baywatch. She canceled the audition 11 times. Mm, What? She's like, I don't know where the (laughs) fuck Marina Del Rey is. What did you think? Marina Del Rey sounds exotic and far away. And I'm not a good driver. I get easily distracted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never made it. You get on Baywatch and things start really happening at this crazy accelerated pace. Baywatch is the number one show in the world. Everyone knows you. Nobody doesn't know you immediately. Globally. Yeah. And you just I mean, are we got sure off the plane it was the number one show in the world? Or was it that was. just what David Hasselhoff said? No, 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 okay. no. <laughs> he does his research. Yeah. When you're a lot. kid and you go to Europe on a URL pass, which I did at 19, every hostel you go to, no matter what country you're in, Baywatch is playing. That's a so given. Funny. Baywatch and Simpsons were playing every <laughs> single place you would go. Yeah. The world was fucking Baywatch nuts. You know that. You went around the world. Well, yeah. Well, that's when I started traveling. And yeah, it was wild. Yeah. It was wild. And then... All the options are on the table. You're dating everybody, pretty much. You're, you're, <laughs> you're like with it. Mario Peoples for a second. <laughs> then you're with Scott Bale. Then you're with this person, this one. <laughs> Guys are losing their shit about you. One of them in particular <laughs> is Tommy Lee. You meet him at a party, and he gets your number, and then he calls you like a psychopath for months, and you will not You didn't answer. like him. Oh, yeah, I was busy. busy. <laughs> yeah. Good but then stuff. he called and I said, I, I have to go. I'm sorry. I can't talk to you because I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to Cancun. And he said, 
without me? I said, oh my God, do not come to Mexico. I'm thinking the whole country, do not come to Mexico. And he chased me down there. Wow. So he shows up again. This is one of these stories that nowadays you'd be like, well, that's dangerous. But back then, this is very romantic. Romantic. <laughs> right? It's, it's still it, romantic. It's Come on. It's still romantic and it's still dangerous. 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 Yes. Exactly. It's romantic because you ended up liking him and he's Tommy Lee. But you switch him out with another character. He just fucking went to Mexico to find you. That's terrifying. <laughs> that's a horror movie. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert. If you dare. We are supported by Canva. Good presentations take time, or they used to, because now you have Canva to help you make amazing slides fast. I'm talking like seconds, thanks to the power of AI in Canva presentations. All you have to do is start with a prompt like a sales presentation for a tech company, then sit back and let Canva work its magic. It's incredible what AI is doing. I'm seeing all kinds of image generated. I follow I these architectural websites that it's all AI generated. It's just mind blowing what it comes up with. You just tell it what you want and it'll do it. Boom. It's a time saver and it's easy for any department to use. And it's great for companies of any size. Even Fortune 500 companies rely on Canva. Finish your work faster and generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. We are supported by Sleep Number. Oh, mattresses can be a pretty big purchase. It's kind of like a home. You and your partner have to shop around for one that you'll both love that's comfortable and suited to your preferences. Well, I'm about to make your lives a whole lot easier. Instead of hopping around from store to store, just check out Sleep Number Smart Beds. They're designed for you and your partner's ever-evolving sleep needs. When you see it, you'll know it's the one. I mean, this just changed the lives of my bride and I. The fact that we didn't have to compromise on the firmness of the mattress and the fact that it can evolve as we evolve is incredible. Sleep Number is great because it's all about what you need. You can adjust the firmness to your ideal settings on each side, perfect for couples. The smart beds respond and adjust to your movements throughout the night to help you sleep better. My Sleep Number is an 85. Whether you need something with more support or something to help quiet the snores, Sleep Number has you covered. So sleep better together with a Sleep Number smart bed. It's the only bed that lets you make each side firmer or softer whenever you like your Sleep Number setting. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We are supported by Celebrity Cruises. I know what you think. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy. But the truth is some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them. Celebrity Cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And you won't have to with all the places Celebrity goes. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes if you're short on time. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador. So wow. she's evading him for the first few days of the photo shoot down there. And by George, he fucking figures out what hotel she's at. He calls. You kind of reluctantly go, okay, we'll hang out on the last night. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? This is my favorite right. part. She said they're in a nightclub and like five guys enter and wife beaters with chain wallets. And she doesn't know who he is. Oh, and her friend right. asks, Which one is he? <laughs> <laughs> Which one of these guys yeah. looks like that? Just sleeved and like the white beaters, and they're just kind of sauntering in, oh. swinging wallet chains and jeans, lanky skinny. Yeah. Uh. They do ecstasy on that first night. Mm. 
Which, which I'd never done before. I didn't yeah. even know he put it in my drink. Well, that's oh, again. Boy. This is, that's Don't all. do this. This is. I was saying it's romantic because it's a once. You know, it worked every, out. It worked out. It kind of worked out. But <laughs> guys, do not do, do not that. drug anyone without their permission. Oh, but obviously, you have a very heightened and exciting. It's a very. Oh, depend, my skin it's was a, melting. It's a dependable I was like, drug in that way. Hell? And he goes, "You want to get married?" And I go, "Absolutely." So On they the got first, Monica. No. They got married four days later in yeah. Mexico. Wait. Do you know? <laughs> Wait. Well, I was feeling so good, and, yes. I, and then he grabbed. Because you're on drugs. Yeah, but I didn't know that. And he goes, "Have you ever felt this way before?" Oh, and I'm like, "No." Oh my god. And he goes, "You want to get married?" And I said, "Absolutely." <laughs> of this course. Is, well, of I course. feel like this all the time with you. Yes, I wish I married <laughs> you ten years ago. This is the feeling ago. I've been looking for. Yes. Like, this is the feeling oh I can't god. find. <laughs> yes, this is love. Pure love is happening. No, there. I haven't experienced this before. <laughs> I didn't realize your skin fell off well, when you fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder you're like I'll never find anything like that because that's not Apex. real. <laughs> but then we, we weren't doing drugs. Yeah, we were together, you know, for a few years. Yeah, but you started on that high. So Ooh. they come back from Mexico. Now a new chapter of your life really kind of starts. I would argue up until that point, you're pretty in charge of the narrative. There's not. This insatiable interest because it's so out of the norm. Four days and they're getting married. They're crazy. I would imagine prior to that, you're kind of in charge of shaping the narrative. You get to pick if you're going to go to a party and get photographed. You get to pick if you go here. But now I'd imagine the horses kind of leave the barn at this point. Oh, then that got out of control and car chases and people going off into ditches and boulders through the windshield. I guess in Malibu, it looks like where you lived together back yeah, then. Yeah. Holland, yeah. There's like people hanging off of fences, trying to get in the yard. It's pandemonium. It's unsafe. Oh it's out of your control. And Tommy's got a sawed off shotgun and he's pointing it at the reporters <laughs> and they're saying they're not going to charge us for our wedding present and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. I don't know him. I mean, I've actually bumped into him over the years in sobriety. I'm guessing he too is a child of trauma. He's been a rock star since he's 16. Yes, so start yes, there. And, yes. so he's and he's always... an addict. He's clearly an alcoholic at the point you guys meet. Are you uncomfortable saying that? No, no, no. Oh, no, yeah. he he's is, sober right? now. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's good. Yeah, very. Yeah, so he's an alcoholic. He has been living in this heightened, insane world. So now when the fucking photographer show up, he's built for this. This is- Chaos monster. Yes. <laughs> we were just hunkering down and trying to be as normal as possible. But <laughs> there's a really sweet, beautiful phase of it. And then kids come along. So heartbreaking. So you're doing your first movie that you're starring in, Barbed Wire. You're pregnant. You're so excited. You want a baby so bad. You miscarry during the filming of it. Mm -hmm. As you're leaving the hospital, you guys are getting chased. They're in your face. And you guys both kind of, rightly so, snap in that moment. Mm -hmm. Of course. You're fucking pissed. He's pushing people. Like, I get it. I deserve five fucking minutes in the wake of this yeah. traumatic experience. This isn't for you. The other shit, okay, we're out at a nightclub. But this is like, oh, God, I am totally exposed at all times. I will have no privacy. Nothing's for me now. You're in a cage fighting for your life at that point. I think mentally. Yeah, and just not having the tools, not being equipped. How old are you two? We're early 20s. Just didn't know how to handle it all. And obviously, that's, I think, where it just took its toll. You hate to complain about these things, but we really were trying to have our relationship, our children, our privacy 
it was just so heightened. And we had babies back to back too. I mean, Dilly's only just a little bit over a year older than Brandon. And we were pregnant for three years. Yeah. And so now he's totally ill-equipped to share attention with anybody. He's had everyone's attention. And a lot of mine attention, much more than probably normal, like very heightened version of (laughs) both of us. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also working, you're shooting nonstop on Baywatch. It breaks my heart to watch all this part. So he starts showing up to work every single day. If she's going to have a scene with another guy, he's going to be there. When she kisses a guy on set, he fucking trashes her trailer. Oh, my God. He's super jealous. (laughs) He's already, he doesn't know this, but he's already jealous of his children. Now you're going to work, and now this motherfucker's getting your attention, too. And now I'm a child, too, so I'm going to act insane. And then on some night, it gets physical with you guys. He gets arrested. He goes to jail for six months. I'd say this is the hardest part to navigate because... I found myself watching the documentary kind of heartbroken for both of you, despite the fact that I watched my mother get beat. Not a fucking option. No one should ever. That's one and done. You don't get a second shot at that. So knowing you made the right decision for you and your kids, yet seeing there's still a ton of heartbreak. Yeah, a lot. And that's really, really brutal. Yeah. It's really a bummer that that happened because you clearly were super in love with him. And he was super in love with you and neither of you knew how to do that. Do it. I know. That's the tough part. But I always tell the kids you were born out of true love. You're born out of two people madly in love with each other. So that's kind of a nice start. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's it for you guys. Now for 30 years or however long that's been. Wow. There was no back and forth. There was all sorts of stuff that happened. I don't think we could ever get over it. And plus, I think I got into a point where I was starting to be with other men, just trying to get past him. It just became a mess. Yeah, you were trying to get over him by finding someone as a to feel Yes, to feel as in love with someone else. And you were trying a lot of options, hoping to get that, I imagine. And I never, ever found the replacement. But it's just great to see my kids grown and to be in such good shape. I mean, despite the gene pool, they're perfect gentlemen. They're really good men. And I think a lot of that had to do too with sending them to Canada for school, mm, getting them out of Malibu. Yeah, Getting that male hierarchy. They're both doing really well. And they both have girlfriends. They're both madly in love. I mean, I think that's a huge a testament because you don't have to be in love. It's easier not to be these days, especially yeah. to see them in long-term relationships that are very romantic and generous and loving. Yeah. just makes me feel so good. It's like, I didn't take that away from them. Yes, yeah. yes, you know? yes, yes. Okay. So during all of this there's this roller coaster of your own empowerment, right? So it's like it's completely stolen from you in your youth. You kind of recapture it for a moment in Playboy and in Baywatch. Then this tape is stolen from your house. It comes out, and then it's really fucking taken from you. Like it's literally stolen from you, and it's now disseminated around the world, and some motherfuckers profiting from it. To watch all the footage of the beating you are getting is fucking cruel. I mean, it's wild. And it's all misogyny. When dudes fucked up, it just wasn't the same version. When women fuck up, it was a feast. It's not also fucking up. You didn't do anything. Something was stolen. I shouldn't say fuck up. I'm saying if a woman ends up in the headlines for something, and most importantly, Tommy was kind of, bros were high-fiving him. Exactly. All in all, I'm sure he felt violated and stuff, but- 
there's no lens of he's a slut because he has this lifestyle. There's no shaming to him. There's really no rules for rock stars anyway. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of just add some color maybe. Yeah. Times have changed so much. Now, if someone attacked you for that, they would be a bad feminist. <laughs> now we look at women, or we're trying to, I think we're heading there, of like, good for her. She's owning her body. It's changed so much since when you were in the spotlight. Yeah, it's definitely changed. I bring that up to ask you because I know how I felt while it was all happening and I'm embarrassed that that wasn't obvious to me how cruel all that was but for you what was it like to nightly hear that stuff well I didn't watch it and I was really clear on everybody I don't want tabloids around me including every magazine I just wouldn't have it around me because of course you find yourself looking at something and getting really hurt by it so I said I just can't see it please don't have it near me and I don't want to contribute to that kind of journalism I don't want to buy anything like that I don't want to watch anything like that because I don't want to contribute to anybody else's pain either. So I just took it out of my eyesight. But then, you know, I'd go on a trip to Europe for something and it was like headlines of these things. And I was like, who is that person? Like, who are they talking about? You know, they got me half naked on the cover of different things and all over the place. Like I've turned into a cartoon character. Then I started playing into the cartoon character. And I think even with my friends, it's like, I'm always the life of the party. Oh, Pam's here. It's going to get wild, you know? And yeah, yeah, it got yeah. a little wild. But I mean, I just kind of became that thing. Trying to make lemonade out of it. Yeah. You had I mean, a bunch of big fun. basket of lemons and you're like, okay, well, now this is the path that's open to me. And I guess that's the one I have to pursue. But can I just say that I think the ugliest part of it watching it was at some point they attempt to sue the person distributing the tape because a they don't have permission b they're just taking all this money and they are of course entitled to depose you you have to give a deposition it's just going on and on and on in their position the defense attorneys was get real you were in playboy you don't give a shit if anyone sees you naked yeah I mean, is that not so the fucking... Disgusting. And that you have no right to privacy. Isn't and I was pregnant with Dylan grossest? when I, they were deposing so me too, awful. which was so much stress. So that's when we said karma and we just Ugh. walked away from it because I couldn't take it. And we didn't want it to affect the baby because I was feeling strong. Like we're going to fight this. I just didn't have the capacity. Yeah. You were concerned about the pregnancy. That's always going to trump everything, you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Then we were like, we're going to get through this. We'll get through anything. But, you know, we didn't, <laughs> which was sad. Do you feel like there's the little girl from Ladysmith and then there's kind of the empowered character that you discover in L.A. And then I imagine after all this stuff happens, literally to you, we have to live in the performer. If you go to the little girl and experience it, you're just going to be destroyed by it. Right. No, I don't have the strength to do that. And I had two kids to raise, so I had to become this kind of strong character. I didn't want to be away from them. I didn't trust anybody with them. So I was doing things and making choices in my career too that were just going to be quick, easy, easy money. I can still put a roof over our head. You know, let's just get through this. Yeah. And don't want them to ever feel like we're struggling. But that's what's so nice about right now. We made it through. The kids are great. I have my little farm on the island. I'm back where I started somehow. There's an insane strength. It's a bummer because really you needed to actually collapse for about a year and let it all wash over you and then maybe walk out of that. But you're so, so strong and you just keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. Would it pop up on you like kind of unexpectedly? Oh, I was 
doing like flower essences. I was making these special, I was like trying to do as much as I could to be strong for my kids because I was a kid when things happened, I could leave my body, I could float down the street, I could play with people's toys. I had this really, really strong imagination. But with my kids, I knew I had to stay present. So I was like, I can't run away. I can't escape this. I have to be strong for them. You know, I can't sit here and fall apart. I've got two little boys. Yeah. yeah. I also have to really commend you. I don't know all the details, but the fact that you weren't back and forth in that relationship over and over and over and over again, when that relationship was a high for you and you were so low and the fact that you didn't just go there is almost impossible to do. I'm so amazed that you were able to not do that. I didn't want my kids to feel like that was okay either. And I think that's where you talk about your childhood and you kind of reflect back and there's times where I wish my mom left my dad, Yeah, but they stayed together. But what kind of a message is that? Exactly. So, but you picking yeah. that is It must have been very hard. So hard. Because you're well, so hard. alone in it. He's the only person that knows this whole experience. He's the only other person that actually went through the same thing. It has to be so appealing to go to him for comfort. Yeah. I still love Tommy. I know he's in a relationship now and she takes good care of him and they're good together. I wish him all the best. But there's always that soft spot because every time I look at my kids, I see Tommy, you know, and they look so much like him. But it feels right that I made that right decision. But I made so many stupid decisions too past that. Now I'm in a better place. Good. (laughs) Tell me about your pit stop in Detroit in 06. (laughs) (laughs) I think just he was I'm, so good to my kids. They either rode dirt bikes, they played golf with John Daly. I mean, they threw a football with Peyton Manning. Wow. They skated with the Red Wings. I mean, <laughs> Bob had a lot of really crazy friends. The kids were just in heaven there. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted to be in Malibu. So we kind of split the time. But Detroit was cool. It's got such a great energy. And he's a great guy, but I wasn't ready for any other relationship. There's just no hope of anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. I guess the one curiosity I had when watching it that wasn't really talked about, and because I'm an addict, I'm most curious about it. What's your own drug use? Because you're around tons of addicts. And I'm imagining, how the fuck would you be around us? I look at my parents. I mean, I've experienced, I've seen it. My parents used to, you know, party on the beach half naked. And, you know, I kind of thought it was cute. Uh huh. <laughs> I experimented with drugs too, but it just, it just didn't suit me. You know, I never tried any drug until I met Tommy. My dad had me convinced that if I ever tried anything, I'd be paralyzed. I don't know right, why. I thought yeah. that's what was going to happen if I ever tried anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, drinking is nothing. Canadians drink every day. Like just something bad. Yeah. Was, so I experimented with it. And, you know, I can't even go too far sometimes, but then I would go, hey, first of all, I have kids too. So, yeah. I mean, that was the part that saved my life probably with a lot of my wild and crazy friends, my artist friends. I would always be like, I got to be home at you know midnight because I got to take them to school in the morning. I can't hang out for three days. So I'm not going there. Yeah. Eight out of 10 people who are molested end up having addictions. It's such a high... Now, granted, yours no. is, I guess, is love addiction. So you did well, find I probably have one. love addiction. I have my own addictions, but... I also never really liked that feeling of being high or drunk. I'm crazier straight, sober. I have (laughs) such an imagination. I can't write if I've had a drink, you know, Uh and I love to write, but I'd like to write in the mornings, really early. I get up at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, no, this morning I was up at three something. Oh my God. Yeah, just because I get up (laughs) and I start thinking. What time did you go to bed? I'm nervous for you. Like nine. I went to bed early, but still three o'clock is a little bit early for me, but 4.30, I just love mornings and I love having my time to write. I make my coffee. Have you considered why you like mornings? No, why? Was there something you're going to tell me? They're safe. 
They're safe. Nobody's up to cause any shit. And the days just progressively get worse in my experience. They get crazier. <laughs> and then by the nighttime, just, all the werewolves are out. You just want to go to bed. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> so you would never object when you were with the addicts and they were in the height of their addiction. No, I always told them. I thought it was cute. I, you, you know, I'd oh, line like it up for them, whatever. Oh yeah, just whatever. Wow. I don't care. I don't judge. Yeah. It's your own journey. I'm not a dictator. And I'm not line like shaking my finger at anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but what about with the kids? Were you like, you can't be oh, fucked Mike, up Actually, you know, Brandon's sober. Brandon made a really wise decision. He's so smart. And, you know, after high school, they both went to university because we told them that they're on their own kind of, if they don't go to college and they want to get out of it, that we're not going to financially support them. They've got to work at the smoothie shop and sleep on kids' couches. We were really strict about that. But then Brandon said, I want to take acting lessons. He was in the arts and he said, I would like to use the rest of my college fund to go to rehab. And we went, why? Wow. Like me and Tommy were like, what? Like, uh, why? You're not in any trouble. No one yeah. told him to go. He goes, I think I have that thing that ruins people's lives. Oh, and he goes, and I really want to nip that in the bud. He goes, because I got too much to do in my lifetime. I don't want to deal with that. I don't oh, want to lose everything I love to whatever that is. God, good for him. And, he, you know, as an actor too, you know, he's now wow. producing, he produced this film. He's such an amazing guy. It would have been fun to have him here. Or maybe not after what we talked about. But anyway, he knows everything. What am I saying? Tommy, me and Dylan, we went to the rehab and stuff and we talked through family stuff. And it was just so smart for him to do that. I mean, he yeah. chose it and he has been sober for what, 10 years, I think. Amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Almost. That no, amazing. I shouldn't say yeah, 2 and 20, whatever. I don't know. Age and me and time space. Yeah. I don't get it. But anyway, more than five years he's been sober. And the good thing about having the crazies in my life, like the Rick Solomons and people like that. They've taken the good parts of it. Like Rick's a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I don't want to be married to him, but he's, <laughs> right. a, he's always been there for my kids. He'd be the first call. If I was ever in trouble, I would call Rick. Well, he can get dirty. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's, he's funny from a distance. When I left him, I was worried about my kids being around him. And my kids were just like, we're staying friends with Rick, mom. We don't care if you don't like him or not. We love Rick. But Brandon realized that he could be sober and still have fun. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, no, sober isn't a dead end. Being right. sober, you have more fun. He's around people, too, that they drink or they do whatever, and he doesn't have any judgment. Well, the dream is, yeah, it's super fun partying. It just has a diminished return. It just gets less and less and less fun to the point where you're using drugs just to be a little less happy than you are dead sober. That's why it's so cunning. I'd have these moments I'm at the bar, and I'm just reading the fucking label of the Budweiser bottle over and over and over again. Oh, it's brewed yeah. here. It's brewed here. And then I would go... Oh my God, this is terrifying. I'm hammered and bored. Yeah, that's awful. What's left? And now I got Coke. Now I have Coke and I'm hammered and I'm bored. I've had Coke. I've had sex. I've drank. And I'm, and I'm fucking bored. I'm never bored in sobriety, no, ironically. No, you're never bored. I've tried to numb myself too. Like when you're feeling a lot of feelings, you think, oh, maybe if I just escape this, but usually it just doesn't work out. Or you surround yourself with people that are going to take you down. When I went back home from even living in France and coming home, I felt like a spawning salmon. I was like, I'm going home to die. This just, just feels so depressing. You know, and then you're sitting there by the campfire with a beer in your hand and you're drinking every day. I gained about 20 pounds. I was like, who am I? I called it my puffy suit of armor. I didn't know what was happening. I looked around and said, who are these people? Like, what have I created? Like, yeah, I am so yeah. out of here. Yes. I took my golden, you know, zooby zooby zoom and we're out of there. You're yeah. a great ejector. You know how to hit the eject button you have pretty to. dramatically. I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. It's always really dramatic. Yeah. But once I make that decision, I'm committed to it. I'll take a lot and I'll think a lot and I'll try on other people's clothes and lives and think. Then I just go, no. 
Yeah. Yeah. Can't do this anymore. Yeah. Two questions. One is because the way sex and love addiction works is it is all fantasy, right? So you're really addicted to the fantasy of the person and the fantasy of this. And I'm not suggesting you're not super in love with Tommy, that he's the love of your life. But do you also police yourself and go like, well, I'm now looking back in time which is already nostalgic, already a warped thing. Well, I mean, I don't sit here and pine for Tommy or anything like that. He was the love of my life, I think. And if I don't fall in love again, I'm okay being on my own. That's not something that I'm pursuing. But then I never really pursued it. It just happens. Do you think it's possible that even your real life can get fantasized? Well, where my dreams end and reality begins, yeah, it's a complete blur. Yeah, because I'll <laughs> even, same thing, I don't pine, but I had this wonderful girlfriend, Bree. We lived together for nine years absolutely adore still friends with her i do have to remind myself of the challenges that existed during that time because there were plenty and the things i wasn't bananas about because really now it's just a memory of our great trips all the wonderful conversations we had and it can get a little misleading i gotta actually actively police myself to remember the whole experience. Well, my therapist at the time told me to write a list of all the reasons why we're not together. And then when you do slip into that, read the list. Uh-huh. Yeah, smart. That helped. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. I should make that list again. Yeah. Like experiencing <laughs> someone's jealousy is the worst feeling. Tommy wasn't the most jealous of my boyfriends. I mean, it just got worse and worse and worse. Where you don't feel trusted and then you stop trusting other people because usually the people that are really jealous are the ones you shouldn't trust <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yes yeah it's always ironic it's always the guy that's well, most they're projecting their own thing right. on you like stuff you couldn't even dream up they're, they're doing it okay my other curiosity was having had beauty such a prominent part of what i'm sure your perceived value was to everybody i never felt like i was any kind of great beauty ever no, just a little funny looking. Well, you said that your boobs had a great career and you were along for the ride. I think that's the quote, <laughs> yeah, the quote in the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so boy. Great. But being labeled a sex symbol, that being such a prominent aspect, I'm curious how aging is for you. I can't wait to see myself old. I always said I'd recognize myself when I was old in the mirror. I want to let my hair go kind of natural gray, put my little straw hat on, don't wear makeup. I mean, that's my comfortable kind of state. A lot of women, I think, that are these classic beauties have a really hard time with aging. I've always felt a little funny looking. So I don't think it's as hard for me. And I don't want to chase that. And I don't want to do all the crazy shit to myself. And that's my kids going, no, mom, no, you have to wear makeup. I'm like, when I was wearing makeup before, everyone told me not to wear makeup. Now yeah. I'm older. Now I just kind of want to let it happen. Yeah. They're like, no, not yet. You just got a couple more months. <laughs> Oh to God. promote these projects, oh. and then you can take the makeup off. You can take well, the see, makeup off. Well, see, I think that you, <laughs> I think your value proposition has evolved and changed. Like what I look at you now, I would put you very much in the category that I would put Monica Lewinsky in. You're like one of these living survivors of the apex of our societal misogyny. And you went through the whole thing and you're still standing. You still have a voice and you still have a perspective. It's kind of like a funny moment for me because you do feel like you've survived all this. But then there's also this really outpouring of love from this young generation that are doing things. TikTok, Pamela, yeah. filters. And yeah. I don't, I've never even touched TikTok. I don't know what it is. You know, I was talking to the New York Times the other day and she was like, 
check this filter out. And it's like, you can put it on your face and my makeup comes up on your oh face. Oh my goodness, I could look I, like you? Yeah, exactly. Oh Man, my gosh. Oh my gosh. He does it all the time. He's oh. like, you know, like with the lashes and everything. It's so funny. And the fashion, the 90s kind of fashion. And it's funny to see people do, I always think if you're a Halloween costume, does that mean you made it? Big time. What the hell? Well, you're I, immortalized. Yeah, people used to come to my door because I used to always give out caramel apples in Malibu. And it was like, they were either Kid Rock and Pamela or Tommy and Pamela or me in a bathing suit or a little yeah. boy in a bathing suit with balloons in his chest. <laughs> and I was like, it's a lineup of Halloween costumes in my life. Oh, you know, the other part of it that really reminded me of the Britney Spears documentary. She's in interviews at like 17, 18, 19. And these older men are asking her if she's had a breast job. If she's, a virgin. If she's a virgin. Are you a virgin? These are like old men. And I'm like, fuck, why were we allowing this? That was another thing. Like to see even these, quote, reputable reporters Saying like, well, I have to talk about your breasts. Are they real? Larry King. Are they? Yeah. No, Larry. They're not. Fucking Larry. What yeah. do you want? Like, where do you want me to take this? He asked you that. I can't remember who asked they me first. All, there isn't an anchor. I just thought I'd be honest, but then didn't. everyone was like, you should never be honest about stuff like that. I said, I just am who I am. Yeah. Like, take it or leave it. Yeah. Oh, I don't think not being honest was the right recommendation i just think it's none of your fucking business yeah. Yeah, like if your you're business. my friend i'll tell you no one teaches you how to do interviews and so when someone asks you a question especially when it's on air you feel you have to Obligated. answer the truth you have yeah. to answer as more of an adult and more maturity we might say it's none of your business yeah. but in the moment i didn't want to disappoint anybody and i felt like i had to answer everything like i was on the court of law there's even this really subtle and gross acting that exists among the anchors like there's a matt lauer interview in there and so he's taking this role have of to watch like this after all i don't know no he's taking this position of like oh i'm so flummoxed by you <laughs> oh i've never had to ask this oh i'm so uncomfortable oh like, he's actually kind of making himself the victim in this whole thing like oh i'm so I'm uncomfortable so sorry you have to ask this yes. yeah bad for you. and i'm like oh my god this is all so twisted and dark like this he's positioning this is like poor him he's been forced <laughs> yes. by the network to ask you about your boobs and he's getting off scot-free and even maybe people are like oh man was so uncomfortable boy he's such a good person you're like oh, oh it's so deep and dark it might have had to have some therapy over asking that oh. question <laughs> that didn't fare yeah, well that for didn't him. make him uncomfortable <laughs> at all as we found out yeah. yeah and by the way i want to also say i don't think i'm better than those people i'm sure if i was doing this job in the 90s i would have been just as dreadful i actually not judgmental of it in that i think they were evil people i think that's when we lived Society. and it was wild and yeah, well, Howard Stern, too. Yes, yeah, like who I of, love. I, oh, I love Howard. But yeah, he was pretty he got funny. Gnarly. But he's always really sweet. The interviews were one thing, but you know, he was always very kind to me. Yeah. He's a sweet guy. He is. He's a good dude. He, <laughs> he's also uh, evolved out of that, which is nice. He's kept pace. Okay. The thing that blew my mind that's also in the doc was you doing the musical Chicago. It looks like you're retired when we meet you. I mean, you were sitting up in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> walking around a beach planting flowers and reflecting on your life, basically. And then you get this offer. Look, I moved to LA to act, period. And I was a comedian and I was in movies and TV. If they called me and asked me to be in a fucking Broadway musical, I'd be like, I'm afraid I can't, there's no way I could do that. It's mind blowing to me that you were like, okay, sure. let's start. Well, I wanted to see what I was capable of. I never felt like I ever got the opportunity to do what I was capable of as an artist. And I felt 
There's a good way to find out. But it's sink or so swim. brave. It oh my is. God, you show up. It starts hitting me the amount of work that goes into something like that. You're in LA just learning to dance for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. And then, you and go, then I was like, sing? Oh God, a singing lessons. Yes. And then it was like acting. And I said, you know, I can't do three of these things separately, but for some reason I could do it all together. Wow. It was yes. bizarre. What was obvious is worked you my ass fucking off. worked your yeah. ass off. I was thinking among all the impressive things here, I would be too afraid to do it. The work schedule and then the endurance. You're eight not shows a week. 30. Yeah. You're eight dancing. Shows. You're singing. It's eight. And Your doing voice. A cartwheel every show. Oh You've my not tried. <laughs> my wife's been singing since she was nine years old. This is like a, a this is her muscle. Right. I was the only person I think on an eight week run that ever didn't call in sick one day. I got to every show, but I would start talking to you like now and then I would start singing. I'd be like, who was that? Once you start really training your voice, yeah. you know, and I was singing at the top of my lungs. I was singing like I was in the shower. You know, I was going yeah. crazy. <laughs> you latched in again to your little buddy that shows up for you and takes care of you. This girl who's somehow so confident. On my dressing room mirror, I had one picture and it was a picture of me at five years old. And I said, we're doing this. Oh, yeah, It was so, oh, it helped me that. a lot. Not mm. to let her down. And to see my kids out there on the opening night and the closing night, see them out there with so much pride, you yeah. know, and I know they love me and they love their mom and their mom's a goofy, you know, crazy one that makes everyone spaghetti and waffles all the time. But to see such pride and actually something that I was working at, I needed to see that. Yeah. yeah. I needed that for my soul. It was really touching. And just that first standing ovation when you're like, holy crap, I did this. Yeah. You know, and you felt rooted for it. I was walking the park every single day at eight o'clock and You've I have been up to for see six dogs. Hours. I have to see dogs. I'm, like, it makes me happy to see all the dogs in Central Park. I actually found a dog to walk. I actually had my assistant go to CrossFit and ask if anyone needed a dog walk and I got a dog to walk. I don't know, New York, people look at you, they're just kind of like, mm -hmm. like they're successful. They root for you. They like want you to be successful too. Where I feel like more in LA, it's like, I want you to fail. And I had so many people outside waiting for me, just going, I knew we could do it. Like we, yeah, you know, yeah, I did yeah. it. They felt like they were a part of it. They came to see who knows, train wreck. I don't know what's going to happen, but to pull it off and, and do that was something I needed to see for me too. Cause I loved it. It's super impressive. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Men's Warehouse. When you wear a tailored Men's Warehouse outfit, it makes you feel confident, like you can do anything. Whether it's a snappy suit that makes you want to dance at a wedding like no one is watching, or a smart casual outfit that gives you the confidence to nail a job interview. Yep, you should give Men's Warehouse a shot, and here's why. Men's Warehouse is the only nationwide men's clothing store that has a tailor in every store to fit your suit, shirt, jeans, etc. to your bod. Men's Warehouse features clothes from the best brands in the fashion world like Vera Wang, Kenneth Cole, and Calvin Klein. Men's Warehouse isn't just suits. They have jeans, t-shirts, shoes, hats, and even underwear. The tailoring is game-changing. It really makes a huge difference in people's outfits if it's tailored to your body. You could have a billion dollar suit and if it doesn't fit it looks terrible yeah agreed yeah it's key men's warehouse is everywhere with 600 plus locations nationwide so if you need one and you will there's one near you feel like you can do anything in an outfit from men's warehouse visit your men's warehouse store or click or tap to shop online 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover inside the house there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, I didn't watch Baywatch, right? So when I'm watching clips in the documentary, I'm kind of seeing it for the first time. And I will say, look, it's not ER. No. Yet, (laughs) knowing you arrived 30 seconds prior without any desire to be an actor or training or anything, I was watching going like, she's pretty fucking good. (laughs) I mean, all things considered, out of the gates, pretty fucking good. I was like really impressed. Was there anyone that you had your eyes set on? Was there some woman that you totally admired that you thought, oh, I'd like to have that path? No. Do you think you suffered for that, not having a target on the wall? No, I think I just want to experience my journey full stop, not someone else's. I yeah, mean, I was inspired, healthier, obviously. I I'm a big reader. I love Anais Nin, and I looked up to people Henry like Jane June. Fonda and like activists and Vivian Westwood's a dear friend of mine and people that I kind of latched onto and people that latched onto me that were similar-minded but big artists. Yeah. And I used to always say to David LaChapelle, like, you're a photographer. My friend Jesus is an acrobat. What do I do? And they're uh. like, you're just you. And I said, yeah. No, but what do I do? Yeah. I'm not an acrobat. I'm not this. And he goes, well, when you walk out the door, it's performance art. There you go. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. I'm sure you've been told this, but there's so many parallels to Marilyn Monroe. I find it crazy. What do you think about yeah, that? I don't How know. do you feel about I don't know. That? That's hard to ever say something like that. Did you have I any refused. interest in her? Yeah. I mean, I thought she was beautiful, but they her, Bridget Bardot, Raquel Welsh, all the Bond girls. You know, I always wanted to be a Bond girl. I never wanted to be a victim. I didn't play my life as a victim. I wanted to be the hero in my own fairy tale story, whatever it was. That's how I played Roxy in Chicago too, because I'd never saw it before. Yeah, yeah. But people told me that I was one of the first people to play her really as the hero of her own story, not a victim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thought that was kind of out of my own playbook. Yeah. Yeah. There's a cool moment, in fact, when you're kind of getting directed to, you know, everything's about me. That's her favorite thing, me. And you're like, no, no, I don't think that's what it's about for her. I think it's about Mm -hmm. being seen. I think it's about being heard. And I was like, good for you. (laughs) Fuck them. Yeah, don't be a cliche. That show's been going for so many years and people have played that role the same or very similar all along. And I just felt there's so much more to this. I felt like it was meant to be. I mean, everything was just firing. It was really a great experience. Okay, my last question is, when you started working with PETA, you reached out to Vladimir Putin and you (laughs) succeeded in him banning seal fur imports. So I'm curious, like, first of all, A, how did you get a hold of him? (laughs) And did you ever meet him? Yeah, 
I spoke at the Kremlin a couple times on environmental rights and um, animal issues, and they used to always get a kick out of me. I mean, obviously, it's a horrible time to be speaking about my Russian adventures, but I do yeah. talk about them in my book because there was some crazy stuff where I learned to throw knives and really wild stuff. Would he speak English to you? No. There's an interpreter. interpreter. Oh, wow. There's always an interpreter, but when I went at the Kremlin, I spoke mostly with the Minister of the Environment and people like that. They'd always tell me they're going to save the best for last because I'd be there shaking with my paperwork and my pictures of dolphins being stolen out of the ocean and then right, right. whale, whale jail, <laughs> belugas, <laughs> hypothermia. Your horror show. Yeah. And they would just giggle and laugh, you know, until it came to me. But it was a big deal and I was heard. And they made changes. They didn't import endangered species through Russia, land, air, wow. sea. And, you know, in real time, because there's no talking about it. It's just... Whoever makes a decision makes it in real time. Right. There's no, let's no, put it to no Congress. Democracy, and let's, yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, um, yeah. red tape. So it was like, that started out with just a letter to him. I wrote to a lot of world leaders and I got a lot of funny responses. They'd say, oh, I would love to meet Pamela if I could bring my buddies along. Yeah, of course. You know, things like that. It seems like you were fine knowing how to leverage yeah, you, everything yeah. to get well, what you wanted. Well, then I thought wanted. whatever it takes to get in the door. We created animal welfare laws where there were none all over the world. And it made me feel good about all the, other, the attention I was getting because I was using it for We're something good. that I really cared about wow. because it felt so superficial. And I felt, well, this is just my life now. That's why it's so nice when this Pam and Tommy thing came out on Hulu and all these crazy things. I was just kind of blindsided by that. And then they said, well, you know what she did? She did Broadway. <laughs> That was my answer. I heard that it was not a good representation of reality. Yeah, I was bummed to see know. in the documentary that that was just yet another round of being hurt by the whole experience. And now here it is again. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I, I guess I should have assumed that, but I didn't even think about it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a it, comedy but... of errors almost. But the good thing is we all find the strength and we all get through our lives. No one has an easy life. It's just a kind of a public thing. And, and I know people think these things were invasions of privacy and now you've put all this other out. And I said, well, I'd rather have the full story out there. Yeah. 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 Why not? Yeah. yeah. What's the craziest offer someone brought to your table? And my thoughts are like, surely some Saudi prince was oh, like, geez. I'll give you $5 million to go on a vacation with me. I got crazy weird things in the guise of charity. One time I uh, went to Abu Dhabi. There was something about, I was bought for a date for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I don't know how much, it was like a million, I don't know if it was a ton of money they yeah. gave to it. So then I went there and then we were behind closed doors and he gets everyone to leave and then he jumps on top of me and sticks his tongue down my throat. That was the Part of what it. we sold. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 <laughs> but you know, then he was gorgeous. So it was, but still, uh, still. Anyway, I don't know. I was trying to find the good in it. Gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I left. That's I left the country. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah, wow, 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 wow. All, all these things you just remember. Yeah. I mean, like, you, even when you're writing your book, what do you write about? Like, I was writing my yeah, first memory to my last, and then I kind of think, you know, I want to balance it childhood and up until now. And you can't put everything in a book. I hope. Well, I there'll be it. multiple. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think? More chapters. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Okay. The well, the name of the exciting. book is Love Pamela, and the name of the doc is Pamela: A Love Story, which is on Netflix. It's really good. It's a harrowing tale in the way I think some of these other now faces of survival are. I mean, it's a really yeah. inspiring inspirational story sincerely i can't believe i witnessed it you lived through it and things have just changed so much it's incredible to watch this has been a party yes, thanks, thanks so much for coming out thank here. you thank you that was fun so fun your first podcast yeah, that first you know of. that i know of yeah, <laughs> yeah just <laughs> <laughs> but if you change the name let me know because <laughs> 
Okay. We, yeah, we'll keep you in the loop on that. Send us some ideas if you come up with any. Yeah, if we ever attend a podcast conference, which we've yet to do, maybe I'll bring this Can up. You bring like, that we we got to rebrand the whole medium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really fun for me to get to meet you. So good luck Thanks, with everything. Guys. All right. Thank bye. you. Bye. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Aloha. Aloha. Uh, mahalo. Waikiki. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know. I'm hesitant to say this, but it was said to Ryan and I. Okay. When we were in Hawaii two years ago. Okay, what? The pod trip. Yeah. Someone asked us if we wanted some um, papui in our kukui. Wait. <laughs> I'm they not, really ask Yes, them. and I want to know what it is, because if it's a real thing, I want to say it a lot. <laughs> well, you are saying. <laughs> well, you have been saying. That's true. It's whether or not I want to say it on here <laughs> is the real question. Let me, I'm going to Google it and see what happens. <laughs> Papui in your kahui. Who asked that? Mm, you should see what it's spelled. Okay. <laughs> Pick up after my pooch. Whoa. <laughs> Uh-oh. Do you guys think that maybe you misheard would be my... <laughs> Kahului, Kahului. Oh, boy. Airport is the primary airport on the island of Maui. Oh. Okay. But I thought that you said it was Kahui. Yeah. <laughs> Kapui in your Kahui. And what have you decided it means? Well, I just, again, I don't know if Google <laughs> knows how to translate that. Yeah, because it's not a real thing. All right. Well... We're going to have to, I'm going to have to probably pause it until I get a real, Okay. got to make sure it's a real thing. Okay. Well, I don't think it is. It might not be. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate, Aloha. Back to Aloha. Yeah. We're in Hawaii. We're on the North Shore. Yes. Easter egg to interview somebody. Yeah. Yes. Very exciting. It's gorgeous here. There's a lot of hubbub right now in town because there was a big surf event called The Eddie. Eddie. I looked into it. You did? Mm -hmm. Did you see any footage? Because we were told in the grocery store last night. Yeah. That a fifty foot they had fifty foot waves. That sounds too big. No, it. I saw one thing and it looked huge. Really? Yes. That's outrageous. And then it was won by a lifeguard on his lunch break. Yes. What could be better? And it's really hard to win. The mm, second mm-hmm. place person is like one of the best surfers, not John a, John. A, oh, John John, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's competing in the, the World Surf League. Yeah, I... Um, he was ranked number three or four in the season I watched. John John. I watched the first episode. Oh, you did? Of the second season? No, I think the first. You got to watch that one. It didn't get emailed to you? I only have that link to the first one. Oh, well, look in your inbox. There may be a papapui in your kahui. <laughs> Okay, I'll look. Okay. <laughs> and then yeah. your friend was just over. Yes, my yes. friend. Your friend Delta was here. I have such an exciting event after this. Yeah. Zip I, lining with Lincoln and Kristen. I know. And ATV riding. That's going to be so fun. Oh, this place is... I'm scared for you a little, but... I know this is my pattern, but I want to move here. You do? Yeah. Well, anytime I go anywhere I like, as you remember, I want to move here. This is That's interesting. I... You don't. Don't. I okay. mean, I really love it. And we we might come... I, I might be coming back in March. Right. For a, a friend trip. Right. Pod trip. Yeah. And... I was like, yay, I'll be back. That's right, right. But I, I'm i very happy. In the city. Living in Los Angeles. Yeah, because you need to go drive. You make your little. Beverly Hills. Your trips to Beverly Hills <laughs> and you do your shopping and you eat at your restaurants. I think it is. Well, you got your um, your witch. 
sure. your personal witch. I'm. I have a grievance. But oh no! Won't go into it. You went. You loved her. I love her, but it's getting really bad. Uh-huh. I need to come in. Oh, we haven't even emergency. We have not even talked oh, about right. this. In fact, people in the comments were they wanted a skin update because there was an Easter egg. Yeah, we yeah. started to talk about it. We didn't finish. Okay, so as predicted by me, right? My skin is a fucking wreck. Well, by your account, yeah. <laughs> by my account, which of course you're yeah. you're allowed to make an assessment. And it's the right timing, the birth control. Okay, for people who aren't up to date on this, the whole reason I did not want to get off birth control is because I thought my skin was going to explode, uh-huh. as is my experience. Mm-hmm. And I got off in August, right, right. before the egg retrieval, which did not yield the results I wanted it to. Correct. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do egg retrieval again. Mm-hmm. In After a real clean out. Exactly. Right. Once that birth control is really out, I give it a month or so, and then I will go again. So it's been since August, so five months. That seems really too long. I know, but uh, yeah. I'm scared to have an opinion, no, but that feels like a really long time. I agree. I know. But this has happened before. Okay. And it's pretty much the same timeline, and it is excruciating one because you think you're, You're in out of the, the clear. Woods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, Pun intended. That's right. Right. That's right. <laughs> but you're not because it really takes a long time for that. The to... hormones to all balance. Exactly. And that's where sucks. I'm optimistic for you, though, because to me it feels like okay. So if it takes that long for it to be completely out, and then yeah. there's dips and whatever, and then there's leveling off. I feel like I do wonder if you've ever walked long enough out of the woods to see if it. Perhaps not. Yeah. I know. Skin looks great today. I mean, I feel like this is encouraging. Yeah. So I was in a really low place with it. Yeah. I felt very bad for you. Yeah. I mean, it's so, um, it's just so triggering. It's all consuming. It just reminds me so much of. All your insecurities as a teen. Yes. Yeah. And then now anger Mm. because it's like, how is this still a right. thing. You're 35. I'm 35 years old. I'm yeah. almost like I'm almost dead. I can <laughs> No, but I'm like I barely making eggs yet my skin is acting like a teen. Like <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? It's so it feels so unjust. Unfair. Yeah. yeah. And so it's hard to stay in a good mood when that's happening, but I'm I've been trying, but it's a struggle. Right. I mean, I know how you felt about it, but it's not like I at any point was like, whoa, Monica's skin is messed up. Didn't happen from my point of view. Other than I found out you were struggling, you know, and then I was conscious of it, but I I wouldn't have been. I was thinking of this as an example. Because I I worry about you, of course, and I want you to not feel bad about your appearance, your two pimples you had. Yeah, but they um, were—they're not just pimples, though. They're look, cystic. Look at this. I'm going to ask you to play along. So okay. my—I'm getting old. So my eyebrows are just collapsing over my eyes. Like it's almost—I have a garage over my eyes now. So it just sags. So it's like it's just—it's now permanently a flap. That's what age I've reached. No. See this? No. Look. What do you mean? Like all this? Yeah. At rest is now just cascading over my eyelid because I'm an I old man. Yes. 
Well, just objectively, I mean, I see, that's I true. Right. But this was my point. This is great. <laughs> so when I look in the mirror, I'm like, holy smokes, you have blankets. Oh, th- right now, look at this. It's almost like I have an extra eyelid. I'm sorry, listener, you can't, but it's a real mess. I can see in the <laughs> no, mirror. It's not. And this is a mess. Look at sag, 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 rinky, rinky, uh, overhead uh, satellite <laughs> view of a river system. No. So, but don't the say point that. is, all that's objectively true. Like everything I just pointed out is there. Okay. But I trust that when you look at me, you don't at all, it's not in the equation. I know. And that's true. I mean, it's really, if it's true for me, it's really true for you as well. Like, sure, if you hone in on my eyes, you go, oh, he's got, looks like he's got two or three different eyelids going now. This this guy's getting old. (laughs) But that's not what you do. You could stop and do that, but you just see the totality of me. I see the totality of you. Everyone sees the totality of you and me. Yeah. So I don't know. I was I know. when I noticed that I had these really bad um, flaps, uh, face flaps. We'll call them. <laughs> um, and then I thought, well, you just what are you gonna do? Uh, you got face flaps, and you got. I really am. Almost the rule for me is like I'm not permitted to even think about them, yeah. and then I just got to trust that everyone just sees the whole me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's a very healthy way of looking at it. I yeah. want to do that. Yeah. And I've tried. It's so hard. Boy, well, it brings me back to high school. I remember yeah. the whole ride to school thinking, I can't arrive there with this business happening all over my chin and my nose. Big, enormous nose. And then when you pop some big, big pimples on top of it, real red and agitated, irritable. Yeah. You think, I can't do it. This can't. The hard thing with the, the cis they're not coverable. Like you, you can't. It's can't because it's them. under the skin. I mean, you can put a bunch but, of makeup on it, but it's it's a bump on your face under the skin. There's right. nothing. Have you ever tried Bondo? Do you know what Bondo is? No. It's what you use on a car when there's a big dent and you can't get it out. You smooth out the whole side oh with gosh, this putty called that. Bondo. And I, it hardens and then you can sand it. Of course, I've had a million business ideas during this time. Sure. Or more... Pharmaceutical, you know, like pharmacological answers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That aren't invented, but that I would like to be invented. Right. And the panic, it's just, there's just been so many moments that really are time travel in the worst way. The mm. panic, the trying to get into the dermatologist, the like all of these yeah. things that I just haven't had to do. Thank God. I mean, it has it has brought me some gratitude. Like, oh mm. wow, you've gone a while without having to do this. That's lucky. You do know a solution. Right. That was helpful. I you do have money. know. I know, but that's the other. It's like that doesn't doesn't you can't buy your way out of it. You can't. No, but you can't go see a dermatologist and you can yes. buy whatever product you might think helps. I know. And they don't help. They don't. Yeah. I mean, but it does help the connections and stuff, because I reached out to this one person to try to help get me into this place. And then she was like, you can go see my friend. Like it, and that was so helpful. So I was able to just drive to a dermatologist. They squoze me in. Uh-huh. Um, do they, they don't ever extract, do they? No, she, that, so <gasps> the reason you go to the dermatologist <gasps> is for cortisone shots, which I don't like doing. Okay, but here we are. And my, and my witch would hate that I got a cortisone shot. Sure. So I felt really like, fuck, I shouldn't because it might be undoing everything she's been doing for the past however long. Yeah. But I, I can't do that. I can't live like this. So I went. She does extractions first 
and then she did the shots on the two like do they have a special technique or do they just push on it like everyone else no she has a like a technique what is it is it involving she didn't give me a mirror oh can you feel her pushing she has a tool yeah okay so she's using a tool to extract all the pus out of there tool sort of she uses the tool on them but also on what's so crazy when you have this is the teeniest bump on your face that's mm-hmm. like nothing sure. will turn into that uh-huh so she's like looking she's scanning she is and then like getting the in these teen like nothings and is pulling like Ooh. just this is so gross no but i like, love it the 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 cores but it's tiny i mean it's almost microscopic but she's like this is what it does she show you yeah oh my god i got the core yeah she's like this will turn into that does she call it the core no okay (laughs) it's not the medical term i thought i'd been using the medical term for 40 years Well, you are a doctor yeah and then the big ones they're way past so she there does she go oh this ship sailed she, is that the medical she's term? More, uh, she has better bedside manner <laughs> okay, than that. Okay. So she like does a if little. If I was guy, I'd like, look, okay, you're fucked there. Oh, that's no. too late there. Oh, I can get this. Oh, this is, we're going to head this one off at the pass. That's a bad Okay, you're doctor. not going to see this guy again. <laughs> well, that's uh, Okay, too late. So sorry, Charlie. No, 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 no. Uh, no. Oh, here's one I can get rid of. So it's a mix of positive <laughs> and negative. You're all over the place. I am. Emotions. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so she does extract in the big ones, but there's not much to do there. Then you use the cortisone and it I have away. a, I have a curiosity for you. Sure. I don't, and I don't know what visceral memory this is reminding me of, mm. but do you, are you kind of elated when you're in her chair and she's handling it? Like, like there's a professional on it now. I honestly was like going to cry. With euphoria and elation and gratitude. Relief. Relief and gratitude. Like, okay, at least something is going to happen that's on its way to better. Yep. And I've turned this over to a professional. Yeah. I don't know why I can relate to that feeling, but I I know that feeling of just like some kind of euphoria that you're at the finish line. Right. And mm. then, of course, she was like, this is going to be a ride for us. She said that. Mm-hmm. Five to seven days, well, t- weeks, months, no, months, years. Five months? Or more. Because, because of the hormones. Yes. And she knows what I'm doing. She knows I'm prepping for the egg retrieval. So okay. there's also like topical stuff, uh-huh. but we're not going to do that because that would not be great necessarily for fertility health. Oh, okay. So... Well, this girl knows what she's, she's doing. Yeah, very. And she basically said, I'm happy to like inject every day if oh, you wow. want. Wow. The problem is you can't really inject the same site twice because that will really thin your thin skin. Thin your skin. That's what they say That's about what they steroids. Say. Thin I know. your skin. Yeah. And I don't want I don't want that. Thin skin? No, I don't want thin skin, but I, oh, you I want, want pussy pachydermis. <laughs> Yeah. So you want? I want pussy F- pack on my face. Fagil, fagil pachydermis. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's been, been a long time since we heard from pachydermis. It has. Yeah. It has. Anyway, and she said immediately, she was like, yeah, it's hormonal. Like she can see. She was she like, knows. that's not. Because what I also, of course, understand, I understand this, but everyone is an armchair doctor and everyone has a solution and everyone wants you to try the, this diet and everyone wants you to try Mm -hmm. this. And and I, I understand because for normal skin that those things really might help. Yeah. 
This is an internal issue. Sure, sure. Yeah, you're not going to be able to regulate your hormones. I mean, there's some vitamins. I mean, I'm taking some vitamins, but like. Yeah. It's interesting though. It's just like when I had hiccups. Everyone's got a hiccup solution and they all work for that person. Exactly. As do the treatments these people are suggesting you. For them, they've figured out this really works, but everyone's so different. Exactly. What's going to cure my hiccups is not necessarily what's going to cure yours. Yeah. Although and Hickey just, Pops are real good. Shout out to Hickey you Pops. You loved those. <laughs> it turns out those were really great. Do you Hickey think those Pops. will help my skin? Yep. Okay, I'll yeah. try them. Just don't put them on your skin. <laughs> Still do it as the as intended, orally, the what Hickey Pops. I just walked around with Stuck to lollipops it. all over my face. Well, I'm sure there's a moment in time where you hate it so much and you think everyone's looking at it that you would prefer, fuck, I'd rather have I people know. think that I have a lollipop stuck to my chin on accident, right? <laughs> <laughs> if given the option, like you meet Ben Affleck. Oh my God. Out, out at the farmer's market as you tend to prowl the Brentwood farmer's market. Yeah. You're out there. Country mark. And you've got a, a buster on your chin. You got a big boy, daddy long legs. Oh, And gross. he'll either see that or he'll see a nice fluorescent green hickey pop stuck to your chin. <laughs> what do you prefer? Real question. Gotta have, this has got to be a sincere. How close? Okay. Are we talking? Yeah. Yep. Oh my god. So maybe God. you could just put your fingers on <laughs> yeah, I could like the hold s- <laughs> stick and act like you're just kind of holding them there. And he'll even be wondering, is that touching her skin you know or is it Yeah, I prefer that because yeah. then I'm at least like intriguing. Playful. Like yeah, what's what, this girl's this what's little, she doing? This is a baby. Wow. Oh, she's like up to something. She's like, on Molly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's rolling at this farmer's yeah, market. That's fine. I'm I, I yeah. The, just being exposed, then he knows I'm a failure <laughs> at life <laughs> and I'm ugly. Uh, he went into, and I'm disgusted. It's just not what you do as a, well, I, yeah. I can't speak for every guy. Here's what I do as a guy. Ugh, this is dangerous. But I'm just focused on things I like. Like I do a little quick, boom, and I go, oh, that girl has beautiful eyes. And then I'm all about those eyes, right? All about those eyes. About but, those eyes. And then, or I go, oh, that girl's got uh, pussy pachydermis. Oh, wow. And then all I'm doing is, you know, Steer. focusing on the, the pachydermis. Okay. I don't. Scan and look for something I dislike and then stare at that. But unless it's like so obvious, then you can't not. Because like look, I was talking arm. to you all of this and I don't even have a mental picture. I have no memory of any specific thing you had. And I've been staring at you for the two weeks while you've been going through this yeah. in the show every day. I know. Can't even picture a single thing. Yeah, but you love me and it's different than okay. well, someone... Than Ben Affleck, he does not yet love. He me. doesn't love you. That's true. <laughs> well, we don't. I don't want. We just don't know. We, we, we don't, don't speak know. for him. We okay, back to Hawaii. Okay, now, trip, back to you, Hawaii. now we're back to Hawaii, and you were you were bringing up the trip and potential trip in March for some reason. Yes, because I was saying I love living in Los Angeles, yeah. and I love that being my home base, and I love. My routine, I do, but mm. I love a vacation. Yeah. I think I would get bored down here, but there, this weather makes me euphoric. Yeah. I love the humidity. You do. Oh. I've said, you know, to some people at the hotel, like, oh, it's so nice. And then they're like, where are you from? And I say, LA. LA. It sounds stupid. It does. Yeah. You yeah. sound like an idiot. Like, yeah. oh, you're so happy here. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. have the best weather. Yeah. Yeah. We have pretty good weather. We had a Although big. It's been uh, bad. Did you feel the earthquake the other night? Yes. Yes. We didn't talk about this. We didn't. How'd you feel? Oh, I loved it. You know, I woke up and the whole place is rumbling and shaking. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care, right? I'm gonna go back to sleep. Like I don't hear anything crashing. Yeah. 
And then I'm like trying to fall back asleep. And then I have a thought, wow, this is going on a really long time. Like, I don't know that uh, I didn't look up the duration. I know it was like a 4.2 or something. Uh huh. So I know the magnitude, but I don't, at gunpoint or for a billion dollar prize, you and I are going to guess I want to get closest to it. Uh-huh. I'm going to say that went on for like 35 seconds. No. And yes. And then there were like million aftershocks. Did you feel any? Okay. That's interesting. You might've woken up for an aftershock. Wow. Well, I don't know what happened, but for me, it was um, three seconds. Okay. So I wonder if I slept through half and then, because, you know, I did have a big ego about it mm. because I was like, I think there's about to be an earthquake. And then there oh, you was thought one. you predicted it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I was not anticipating that turn. <laughs> That's what you you thought you... I felt like, oh, I think there's something rumbly. Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe there's about to be an earthquake. And then there was like a legit shake. Wait, so what you had already... You'd already been jostled kind of out of your slumber. I think. And then you woke up with felt like intuition, but it was memory (laughs) from seven seconds earlier, but you weren't awake enough. Speaking of which, now would be a good time to talk about Delta. Yeah. Okay, so... You, because you're, now look, this is one of the upsides of being single. Sometimes, you know, Uh you pay a price, Uh as we talk about a lot. Yeah, but Mm. you're right. There's plenty of ups. You're in a big gangster room with one big bed in it. And I'm sleeping on a twin. or No. It's it's a queen, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A twin is. But I'm a big daddy long legs. You are. (laughs) And um, there's two queens, so we each have a child. Yeah. And I guess some backstory about Delta is she regularly sleepwalks. Yes. And she's which is insane scary. when she sleepwalks. She's yeah. so angry and loud. <laughs> and then you're you cannot wake her up. Like there's no waking her up. You just gotta let her do her business. Yeah. And then if you can get her back into bed, the second her head hits the pillows, she's done. She never has a memory of it. Whatever. It's so weird. So I sleep with Delta night one. Yeah. And Delta's getting bigger. She's eight. Yeah. I don't know what she weighs, but I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's in the high 50s, 60 pounds at this point. Okay. Okay. In fact, you guys were canoodling yesterday and Kristen and I both agreed. You're roughly the same <laughs> size now. You're almost <laughs> the exact same size. So I woke up in the middle of the night yeah. and Delta was on all fours on my chest. <laughs> Like a fucking ram had jumped up on the bed and landed on my chest. And you didn't wake up until that had already. That's yeah, it's like so I think I, you know, felt like oh, someone's clawing at me. But by the time I like right. come to, she's on all fours on my rib cage. Yeah, which doesn't feel good. I'm like, oh, what's going? And then by the time I'm responding to that, she's already leapt off the bed. There's two steps down into the lower area in the bedroom. <sighs> She fucking trips yeah. on those. Now she's Thank hurt God her foot. she didn't hurt her head. And let me explain how it starts, too. It starts with like, <laughs> like so she's on my yeah. chest already. Making like grumbles. A, a cougar, an injured cougar. She's a grumbly. Yeah, she's a grumbly <laughs> who's been cornered by some hunting dogs, and she's about ready to attack. So she hits the deck. She didn't go down, but she somehow hits her foot going down this, these two stairs that she didn't anticipate. <laughs> Then she goes into the bathroom. Yeah. That's what it is. She always she says she's waking up to pee, but she doesn't get right. all the way up. And then she, we, I take her over to the bathroom, but she's swinging at me and screaming. She want nothing to do with me. And finally, I'm like, well, fuck it. You have fun in the bathroom. I'm going yeah. back to bed. Then I heard Kristen going there. Then she really turned on the afterburner. She was <laughs> screaming at the top of her lungs to the point where I was laying in bed thinking, 
Security has to come. Yeah. And if they don't come, bad security. Like, yeah. it sounds like someone's getting murdered in one of these hotel rooms oh, at three God. in the morning. And, the, and it's well, Delta. I mean, wow. And then, and by the way, this never works. I don't know why this works. But I finally, after a minute of this screaming from the bed, I go, <laughs> like the loudest shh of my life. <laughs> I think the subtext was, I now am a cornered cougar yeah. and I'm about to kill whatever's making this noise. Yes. Something primitive came out oh of my me. God. Primal. And she completely Shut stopped. Down. Yes. From the other room. Yeah. We were both shocked that had worked. Wow. And then Anyways, she got back in bed. Went right to sleep next to me like a little angel. You know what? Maybe that that noise actually woke her up fully. That's possible. So that she then like was able to get back to bed. Look, I'm not one of these people that's going to like subscribe to, oh, you know, we're this type of animal, so we need this. I think a lot of people are out on a limb. Uh-huh. We're like, we're supposed to be this. I always hear it from the kind of conservative male role oh. model figures. Oh, like I Like women want to be dominated. That's nature. Oh, well, right. Yeah, that's- so <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm cautiously saying this. What is also true is we're fucking animals with millions of years of evolution. Yeah. And there's things our brain responds to that yeah. we just don't, our frontal lobe does not comprehend. Yes, that's true. And it is possible that there was, that shush was like, oh, there's lions present. That kind of thing. Like you're blowing our cover. Uh, this shush from the, the biggest member of the group uh, is telling you like, shut the fuck up. We're going to get eaten. Oh, maybe. I think there might be an off switch Whoa. that is based in that. Oof. Of course I have decided extra fuel on the soulmate fire that we both have sleep disorders. Wait. <laughs> What's your sleep Epilepsy. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, my epilepsy is a sleep disorder. You have nocturnal epilepsy. I do. They yeah. call it that. They do. Mm-hmm. I love the word nocturnal. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting because it's those seizures happen either when you're like coming out of sleep or going back in. Mm, mm-hmm. So like when I had the one with Kristen, I had just gone to the bathroom. Mm, so I was like mm. half up. And I was going back into sleep. Right. So it's kind of weirdly similar Mm -hmm. because she goes to the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, she's half up, half asleep. Yeah. Yeah. And then she goes insane. I hope she She grows out of it. That makes me anxious. Oh, it shouldn't. It's fine. I used to sleepwalk a lot. You did? I was on the ride home last night from the burger joint. I was saying that. Oh, Oh, I used to wake up. In here. My family would wake me up. Like my brother, when we lived on Terra Street in Highland, so I was probably, well, I was, I was her age and younger. My brother lived in the, it was a tri-level. So he lived in the like bottom floor. Then there's like a middle floor with the kitchen, then a couple bedrooms upstairs. So I would wake up sometimes in his bedroom. Oh, wow. And the whole family would wake me up because I'm in there trying to get to him. And scratch him? No. <laughs> Give him some scratches. <laughs> scratches back for him. No, I think just needed to get to him. Oh. And then I'd wake up sometimes because um, I, like one time I thought I, I had a dream. I was in a room with no doors. So I wake up, I'm standing on my bed, like hammering on the walls. Yeah. Peed in my mom's closet once. Sure. I was all over the place. Yeah. I used to get up as well and just start huh. moving around the house. I wonder if it's genetic. Might Would it appear be. to be the first thing I gave her genetically, if that's it? No, that's not true at all. Yeah, but anyway, 
Hawaii is so pretty. Oh my god, <laughs> love it. The waves are enormous. They're huge. Yeah, I really like it. I was saying to Lincoln this morning, we're watching them from breakfast, and I said, oh, the ocean just never gets lazy, huh? And she's like constantly making these waves. And she said immediately, yeah, like our heart. Oh, yeah. And I said, oh my God, you're right. I, I go, aren't you so glad we don't have to make our heart beat? Oof. Well, you oh, we do. Would, we'd all be dead. You're right. No, it was like an act. It was your willpower yeah. all day long, hundreds of beats a minute. I know. Mm-hmm. But we do forget that what we do to ourselves has an impact on that heart beating. Sure. So do the right thing. Do the right thing. <laughs> do the right thing. Weird. I feel like the skin conversation was a bit of a ding, ding, ding. Okay. Because Pamela, Pamela Anderson. Yeah. Not that she's ever had challenging skin. Not that we know of, no. Just the um, power of beauty. Yes. Ooh. And I would argue yep. the potential cage of beauty. Uh-huh. Yeah. But also she doesn't consider herself, which I thought was interesting, like a beauty. Right. She I think she recognizes obviously she's attractive and that but like that's she, that's how she, that's because of how she was treated as a kid. For sure. Yeah. She was made to have pretty bad, bad self-esteem, self-esteem with of all course. that. I understood what she was saying. Oh, sure. Like mm. She has an idea in her mind. It was Elle McPherson. Yeah, like her face is not like modely. It's like not modely. It has character. Like it's not round features. I, I she yeah. has round features. Yeah. There's an article on her covers. Well, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. she's crazy beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. Yeah, she is. <laughs> wow, you're really getting sucked oh, yeah. in. I, I like it. I'm in love her. with her. <laughs> she might look like a little bit like uh, Hayden Panateret. <laughs> Hayden Panateret? Yeah. Yes. Okay. yeah. Hayden Panateret. Oh, Panateret. Panateret, I think. That sounds like the word um, substantive. Oh, that we'll never be able to say. Uh, yeah, yeah. She does look like her. Mm-hmm. And Who was a beauty? Yeah. Yes, beauty is a cage. It's a key and a cage. It is. Golden <sighs> cage. So I guess I bring that up because... Because I should feel better about my ugly skin and ugly face. I'm not... At no point did you look ugly. You don't have an ugly face. Um, it's not your stock and trade. Yeah. And if it were your stock and trade and you had a big skin issue, I have to imagine that would be identity threatening. Like, I think that is yeah. something that's worth bolstering yourself with it's like oh yeah i'm but i didn't have the opportunity i i see what you mean yeah <laughs> like i got these skin flaps right i got two tents <laughs> over my eyes Stop. there might be a moment where you can't even see That's... my eyes anymore or that i have to put um like paper clips paper clip them to my Cute. eyebrows <laughs> <laughs> um but you know i'll still get by but the, okay, and not to like, I don't want to do like victim, d- yeah, whatever victim it's off. called. Yes, okay. I no. Right. But that's natural. Mm-hmm. That's gonna happen to all of us. Well, no. But I, in fact, I was just looking at our interview subject, and oh, he's yeah. older than me. He's two years older than me, and I was checking out his flaps because now oh, I'm thinking now you're about looking flaps. at flaps. Yes. All right. Now my dad was flappy. Oh. Okay. okay. <laughs> he was flappy. Gen- I don't know if it's genetic sure. or our use of testosterone. Oh. We're worried about. Oh. Could be it. Interesting. Anyway, I couldn't be my stock in trade. 
I would have wanted it to be. Oh, who wouldn't? <laughs> but we're I, always gonna pick me and Brad Pitt. It's weird. It never. It never feels good. What? Not liking how you look? How do I say it? Even with all of this other amazing stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. And I do have so much confidence in myself. Right. That piece never goes away. No. In the very guy way, while you were wrestling the last couple of weeks with it, and you were very understandably, you were just sad about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was making you sad. Yeah. And then I was thinking of all these techniques that I wanted to tell you, like techniques to not let it affect you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, I was thinking of all these solutions, yeah. which is like you allot a time frame to it. You get one look in the mirror in the morning and then you can kind of sit and mourn it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you go, well, it is what it is. There's literally zero reason to check in on it other than I'll just focus on it. And there's so much more I could focus on. That was one of the things I knew better than to suggest that to you at the nadir of these feelings. But well, and also just like I haven't thought of that. Like, of course I've thought. I don't want to be feeling like this. Right. It's not, you know, and I do know I have no control. Mm-hmm. I know all the things, but it doesn't yeah. help. So you were in solution mode. Yeah. That's when when I'm hating how I look, at some point I just go like, Yeah, this is what I fucking look like. Yeah. Um, and that's a wrap on that. It isn't, the skin is tough because it has the illusion of control. Mm -hmm. Like you can go to a dermatologist, maybe you can change your diet, maybe you can do this, maybe you can use this skincare thing, I don't know. So I guess it does make it more stressful because you feel like you do have some sway over it. Yeah. Anyway. So Pam, Pam Ann. Very um, sweet. Very. Also after watching the doc when we were talking to her, but- It was hard to not feel like this heartbreak that her and Tommy weren't together, even though it was such a disastrous relationship. Yeah. Like sad that her one, you know, what she thinks is her one true love that none of the others ever measured up to. Yeah. Again, it's hard to delineate between what's like addiction and what's not. And and I say that as a love addict, so I'm not casting any judgment. but. Um, you had to know that, no, a relationship where your your boyfriend shows up on set and trashes your trailer, that's a non-starter. Yeah. And then he gets physical with you. Like, it's all a non Yet I felt some heartbreak over it. I did too. I had both feelings. It made me sad that she's resigned to, well, that's the love of my life. And like, that's, there won't be another. There's not another. And she seems to have acceptance around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was well, it's very strong. Very. The fact that she never, ever went back. I could not. But that part crazy. was so shocking and so brave. Mm-hmm. I really admire that. Me I too. Think. Especially when you grew up the way she grew up and has that low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. This person who's like making her so high. Yeah. Feel so loved. and Yeah. That's really impossible to, to not go back to. I'm yeah. so impressed. Mm-hmm. Anywho, but yeah, that's a that's a objectively unhealthy yeah relationship. Really. Yeah, makes me sad that she can't find a healthy one version. Yeah, makes she me. said she tried. She she thought she had picked a boring guy, and then he was not boring, and he was he's she said the worst of all of them. Yeah, he. he um, advertised as boring and right. stable. Yeah. And he wasn't. It's got to be so hard for her to be, I don't know what a, the life of an icon is like, how anyone dates you that isn't also an icon. Yeah. <laughs> and then that feels crazy too. Right. And a Ooh, it reminded me of the last icon. season of The Crown, by the way. 
Ooh. Like that doctor who was trying to date Princess Diana. Princess Diana. Like it, oh, it's gonna be that so was hard. So sad. I know. I liked him a Me lot. Me too. Yeah. He's kind of like my dad. Yeah. It was like <laughs> you could see your dad ended up dating Princess my dad Diana. Would have he would have fine with yeah, it. Yeah, he, he would have rolled with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. And it's a very specific kind of icon. Mm-hmm. So you're attracting a specific type of icon. Like right. it's all. Well, if you look at the other icons she got with, yeah. Kid Rock, Bob. It's funny to hear him called Bob, isn't it? She goes, Bob was great with the kids. I didn't know that. That's She's Kid Rock. Kid Rock. Yes. That's what all that's talk about moving to Michigan and stuff. That was all about Kid Rock. Remember she married Kid Rock. Well, she mentioned Kid Rock, and I was like, oh, yeah, they dated. But I thought Bob was a separate person. No, Bob was Kid Rock. That's His name's right. Bob. Isn't that interesting? Holy shit. Yeah, plot twist. I hated Bawa to Boss so much. That was the name of the song? Yes. And it Bawa was on TRL. It was number one for so long, and I hated it. Sure. He represented everything you were scary. afraid of. So yes. scary. Like that person is Vaguely dangerous to me. Vaguely mm-hmm. redneck Oh, he's yeah. From my, you know, he's from down the road from me. Yeah. When I tell you the guys I grew up with and I try to explain the hillbilliness, it doesn't sound right in Michigan. You don't think of... Right. I don't think most people think of it as like Hick Central, but boy, there was a... We had a hillbilly contingent that could rival the <laughs> Appalachia. As he might like have been a, a honcho. Huge thing. He may be. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my brain knew that was a threat. Uh-huh. That type of person is a threat to me. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you reach a point, if you if you can even reach a point where you, like I had this recently and I was talking to my therapist and I said, look, at this point, it's so undeniable that I'm attracted to a thing. I'm attracting a thing and mm. I don't, know how or why, uh-huh. but it is just like, I can't Escape deny it. that. Like mm-hmm. that is the truth. Mm-hmm. And she's that too. It's like there's- there, oh, 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 the Pamela. Pamela. Yeah, it has a, attracts a type. A, a very, and, and I just mean in her life, not uh-huh. like a, necessarily a partner, but like what, there's something that we're doing where we're like putting out- Mm. Come be with me. Come be near me. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that I have too. Everyone has Everyone, it. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Different types of attraction. I think we're all doing that. And it's all subconscious and it's all nonverbal and it's strange. The person I always was curious about was when I would watch who Paris Hilton dated. Like, remember she dated that weird shipping heir? Yeah. And he like, fuck, he was nuts. He like was hammered, drove a car into a bunch of people and was just out of control. Yeah. And from the outside, you're like, why would she's got money and her own thing? Like, why would she be with someone so dangerous? Yeah. And then there's been a few. Yeah. And then, I mean- it does make sense. Yeah, it all makes sense. <laughs> Ultimately, it all makes sense. Um, okay, couple things. Yeah. Wait, so your mom was 17 when she had David? She graduated high school three months pregnant. Wow. I think she, she wasn't 17 when she had him. She Her birthday was in August. His is in November. So oh she was probably gosh. 18 for three months. I don't think I... I mean, I know I knew that, but when you said it on there... It really yeah. She was pregnant at her way. high school prom. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. My um, dad did was not good at the pull out method. No. Yeah. 
Well, um, to be fair, many people aren't. And they might have been trying because my father also was, it was Vietnam. So he like uh, had enlisted in the Navy, I think because he had heard he wouldn't be in combat if he was in the Navy. He ended up getting out of the Navy because David was born and no one's, everyone said they wouldn't help support my mom. It was a whole whole racket. So I know you don't believe in God, Mm -hmm. neither do I. Well, I will say I don't know. Yeah. But so I do kind of believe, I mean, I definitely believe in energy mm-hmm. and I do sometimes believe like when people say there's like someone's dead uh-huh. and a butterfly comes and butterflies represent, you know, Sure. first of all, I love that for everyone. So mm-hmm. I want that to keep going regardless, but I think I kind of buy into that. Oh, good fun. And I wondered if if you did. No, my mom does a lot. She does. Yeah, I think she. But what about she believes Hawks? she's been visited by both her father and Barton. I can't. I can't remember if my dad has visited her or not. I don't know if I necessarily see it as like them. Okay. I don't really think it's them. I don't really know what I yeah. think, but it does feel Comfort spiritual. You. Yeah, something mm-hmm. feels spiritual. But I wondered if you had any, like, not putting a name to it necessarily. Like you've been visited. Right. The most I can admit to on that front is I have thought this series of coincidences seems impossible. Just yeah. statistically, I've yeah. thought that there's no way that that happened and the timing of it. And then this happened. It seems impossible. Yeah. I have that occasionally. That's nice. Yeah. I think that's nice. But I'm so, it sounds arrogant to say scientific methody, but I don't also look for how often it doesn't add up to anything, right? So if I'm like, sure. like when it happens, it feels like, oh, great. But then I'm ignoring the fact that like 99.9% of the time there seems to be zero anything. Yeah. So I don't know. Um. Well, I guess sad ding, ding, ding. She mentioned Vivian Westwood as being one of her good friends and she passed. What? Since yeah. we talked to her? Yeah. Who's Vivian Westwood? Huge fashion designer. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Was she older? I yeah. Know? Oh, good, good. But yeah, that was sad. That was very sad for the fashion community. Sorry, of guys. Of which I'm a part of. Yes, deeply embroiled. Okay, was Pam, can I call her Pammy? Yeah, well, <laughs> Pam for sure. Okay. Was it the most popular show? Yes, most widely viewed TV series in the world ever at its peak popularity with an estimated weekly audience of more than 1.1 billion in 142 countries in 96. Oh my God, 1.1 billion. That's, wow. Well, I remember seeing a 60 Minutes segment on Top Gear, the British version, Uh and that show was at a billion worldwide. And it was the biggest property at that time. But yeah, that's- That's incredible. Oh. I certainly, did you have that experience when you were overseas on your like study abroad and your your rail trips that it was playing everywhere? Baywatch? Baywatch? Like when we were at hostels and stuff, mm-hmm. everywhere we went, it was on. You'd be flipping through the channels. Wow. I even remember going to Germany with my mom when I was 16 and trying to find something on the TV and it was all in German, but then Baywatch was on. Oh, wow. Yeah, but it was in German. So I watched it. Because the boobs were still in English. <laughs> <laughs> Although you say on here you didn't really watch it. I didn't, but... Uh, in Germany. In Germ- <laughs> when in Germany, I, I watched it exclusively. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's see here. She made history in January 2011 when she graced Playboy's cover for the 13th time more than anyone else in the publication's history. Mm. 13 times. Lucky number 13. Baker's dozen. Yeah. 
Baker's D. Okay, the Osho quote, which I thought that was interesting that she... Likes um, Osho? Yeah. The capacity to be alone is the capacity to love. It may look paradoxical to you, but it's not. Hmm. It does look paradoxical to, to me. I'm a layman here. Well, I, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't either. Not there yet. No, I mean, I'm not I guess, that far up on I the guess bridge. I get that, like, if you're content being alone, like... I don't see its correlation to love. I guess self-love. Self-love or just like maybe like love for the universe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Podcast in French is Le Podcast. Oh, wonderful. Yep. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Le it's Podcast. The same. Joie de vie. Um, au, au contraire, mon frère. <laughs> oh, my God. Aaron left me a funny mon frère message. Do you want oh, to hear it? Because it'll be a callback. It will be. Let's hear we're it. we're bringing up mon frère. Let's see here. But this is Aaron now. Aaron is into skiing for the first time in his life at 47 oh, years old. You my ready? God. All right, here we go. You know damn well I'd be at Alpine Valley, my friend. Shit. <laughs> Where's my mom friends at? <laughs> All right, see you in two. Uh, uh, see you in two. He's on a ski lift saying that. Oh, my God. That is so funny. <laughs> Uh, where, where my mom prayers at? <laughs> That's all the fackies. Oh, wonderful. Nice fat Hawaiian fact check. Yeah. Oh, mahalo. Aloha, Aloha. to you. What's goodbye? Aloha. Aloha is yeah. hello, goodbye. That's right. And maybe I love you or something. What? Let's let's be appropriate here. Let's figure yeah. it was. What does aloha mean? It means putting your papa pui in your kahui. <laughs> Search. Used uh, when greeting or parting from somebody. Aloha, everyone, is friendly and attentive. Love and fellowship. What a oh. great way to spread the aloha. Aww, oh, that's aloha. Nice. Aloha. Alo- aloha. This was fun. And you're about to go on an excursion. Zip lining. I hope you guys have a lot of fun doing that. Me too. I was going to make a bad joke, but it's not. the timing's not right. About my skin? No, about my zip lining. <laughs> What? Never mind. You're going to die? All right. What if this is the last? The people Don't are like, do that. See, I, already, I inadvertently made it. All right. Just cut that out. I hated that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry I took you on that path. Okay. I love All you. Right, love you. 